the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Fly ball, shallow left, and this ball will get down. Sosa is about halfway. Now rounding third. He will score. It's a double for Dylan Carlson, and that makes it a 2-1 Minnesota lead. 3-2. Wayno hits it sharply to third. Arise comes up with it, but Sano can't come up with it. And a run scores, and it makes it a 3-2 St. Louis lead. And Sosa on the first pitch, a high fly ball into deep right center, gone! And Mundo Sosa, the first pitch in the bottom of the eighth. Some insurance for the Cardinals. We're feeling better about the Cardinals now, boys? Make some big deals on Friday, win two out of three against trade? the Twins. Welcome back to Tanner Hendrickson with Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Boys, the Cardinals have won six of their last seven series. They have the best record in the NL Central since the 4th of July. We are riding high on a Monday morning. Thank you, Tanner. How you doing today, Alex? We're riding high on a Monday morning. Yeah, man. Where they won a game and they lost a game. And then they won another one. That's 500 baseball. No, that's 666 baseball. No. They win, they lose, they win, they lose. That feels bad about this Cardinals team. Well, might be spot on with this Cardinals team. And you're really excited about what they acquired. I mean... We'll talk about that here in a minute. It's fine. Good old job. I just, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's negative Nancy on a Monday. Maybe the coffee hasn't kicked in yet, but it was awesome to see that win yesterday, especially with Adam Wainwright on the mound and especially with Wainwright contributing to that win. Hashtag let pitchers hit. No, easy with that one. Come on. Um, he did hit 110 miles an hour, so yeah, credit to him. Yeah. That was actually a good hit. It and doesn't then, happen And often. then asked if Rick Hummel was calling him old at the end of the press conference, which was even better. And he better. said yes. Well, and Rick Hummel <laughs> can say that. Um, but it was nice, but then you have the underlier, which was Saturday as well. So this is how it's been. And on top of it, the teams around you were still winning. So it was an awesome thing to see, but it still makes me very skeptical about this team moving forward. So here's what the Cardinals have done since the 4th of July. Oh, Let's recap for a moment. Polish that turd. They won two of three against San Francisco. They split a two-game series against Chicago. They won two out of three against San Francisco again. They won three out of four against the Cubbies. They lost two out of three against the Reds. That one stunk. 
They split a series against Cleveland, and then they win two out of three against Minnesota. The Cardinals have done, basically, if we were talking about a normal situation, they've done what you would hope that they could accomplish. This is pretty good. They've been, since the 4th of July, a good baseball team. The problem is they need to be a great one to be able to get into the postseason because you have won or split six of your last seven series. And in that time, like I said, they have the best record in the division. The problem, and this is a real issue for the Cardinals right now. On the 4th of July, the Cardinals were 10 game back of the Brewers in the division. Not great. They were three games back of the Reds in this division. Not bad. As of today, the Cardinals are nine and a half games back of the Brewers in the division. Gaining ground. And two and a half oh games back of the Breds. All Just right. stop it. So despite the fact that you have the best record technically in the division over the last month or so, basically, and despite the fact that you've won or split six of your last seven series, you're still basically in the exact same situation that you were a month ago because nothing's actually changed in the standings. And if you want a historical reference on where they are right now relative to the rest of the division. Don't say 2011 Cardinals. Nope, it's way worse. The Cardinals are nine and a half games back, or they woke up nine and a half games back in the division on August 1st for the first time since 1999. Wow, before I was a young lad. Before you were even thought of. That's terrifying. Exactly. Yeah. They finished that year 75 and 86. I was going to say, I think I remember how that season went. Didn't go well. That was after the summer of 98. You probably remember that one a little more fondly, Alex. So the Cardinals are this classic Jekyll and Hyde, right? The problem for them is still June. They're into August now, and yet June is the thing that seems to be in not the rearview mirror, but in the driver's side mirror. It's it's tough to be able for this team to overcome everything that went wrong for them in June. Yeah, I mean, you've dug yourself a really deep hole that you're going to need the steepest ladder to get out of. And I don't know if that ladder's steep enough to get you. I don't know if that ladder has enough games on it that can get you back into this. Um, And the problem for me is the consistency. Now, those numbers look great, BK, of winning the series and going out there and doing that on a consistent basis. But you know how many games they've had in the month of July or had in the month of July where they won like a winning streak? They only had three separate winning streaks. Of two, like three or more? Of Well, two of two games and then one of three. So you got one winning streak. Well, I call Two like, games, I... That's a winning streak. Yeah, come on. Come on. You win one game, that's a winning streak, no. according for, to Major League. For the guy that shines a lot of turds, yeah. you think he'd shine that well. Yeah, you've been trying to polish this Cardinals team, and you're telling me a two-game win streak isn't a win streak? No. Three is a streak. Get you know what, you know what it pops up on two when you look at MLB.com? Three what? is a streak. It pops up on MLB.com as streak W2. No. There you go very no, much. No, 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 no. 65780 is your comfort service tax line. How many games in a row do you have to win before it's a streak? It's two. three. It's Once two. you get to three, that's what I'll qualify. Do you not know the such. major league quote? That's a that's a win, boys. And you put another one together, that's considered a win streak. I think it's three. No, it's two. Maybe I, I, it was I, haven't two, seen, two. I haven't seen major league in a really long time, so that might not be correct. What are you googling? If we how win, many win today, it's called two in a row. And if we win again tomorrow, it's called a winning no. streak. It has happened before. Yeah, it's three. Mm, no, it's two. <laughs> I'm literally get that at trash both. out here. It's two. <laughs> You just typed that up. T- yeah, T-Bone's right. You look at the W column, the street column on MLB.com, W2. But anyway, you have not put consecutive games together. That's what I'm talking about. And look, somebody's already calling me negative Nancy, and that's fine. You win a game, you lose a game, you win a game, you lose a game. Yeah, I know that's the game of baseball, but that's the game of baseball in April or May when the Cincinnati Reds keep winning, when the Brewers keep winning, when the Padres keep winning. 
that's a really tough task for you to win a game, lose a game, and try and catch these guys in the NL Central or the wild card race. So John Mosaloc was asked about this exact scenario right now. How do the Cardinals go on not just a nice run the way that they have over the last month? How do they get on a winning streak that can actually get them back into contention? I think, you know, overall it comes down to simply just playing good baseball, meaning get good starting pitching, quality bullpen, um, solid defense, which we still believe we, we have a good defensive club. And of course, timely hitting. And, you know, I think all of those things have been a focus at some point or another during the season. And now you've got to put it all together. We've got two months, so we'll see what happens. You know, what's funny is um, the, the Cardinals have actually been a good pitching team over the last month or so. If you look at what they've done, at, especially as a starting staff, I think it's like a 3-5 ERA dating back to the 4th of July. It's all those guys from Baltimore. <laughs> They've been pretty good. Uh, Not perfect, but pretty good over the course of the last month. And I think that's something this team's going to have to lean on heavily because the offense has sputtered at times. Even in this, these winning portions of the season, the offense still isn't great. It's fine. It shows glimpses of being awesome, but they just can't seem to put together the consistency that you're talking about, Alex. And this is the perfect time to do that. You've got three against Atlanta. I think this is going to be a really big series for the Cardinals. Starts tomorrow night. They've got the, the off day setter. today. I agree with you. I think I think this is huge because Atlanta's a team, and we talked about this the last time these two got together. That is in basically the same spot as you. Yeah, but they bought at the deadline. And you can consider what the the Cardinals get the hell out of here. You can consider that buying all you want. But I think that's just sitting there saying, you know what? I'm going to fold because my cards aren't that great. And I'd like to keep the ante that I just threw in there. Braves got better. I would say they checked. (laughs) The Cardinals checked. Yeah, but you can only check so long. You (laughs) can only check so long. Your ante went in. You can only check so much. They put in the big blind and they're like, you know what? We're going to check here. (laughs) We're we're just going to, if any anybody ups this we're gonna fold that's called terrible bluffing ladies and gentlemen (laughs) yeah that's pretty much where they're at right now but you're right the braves did buy but they bought kind of strategically they got adam duvall and jorge soler who's been terrible for the majority of this season they got jock peterson who the cubs were more than happy to send off even before the trade deadline so they they added to me. They kind of did what the Cardinals did. It was yeah. Just kind of, eh, we kind of need that. Why they not? added, we'll but they also lost one of the best players in the sport and they're not getting Ronald Acuna Jr. Back. Meanwhile, the Cardinals are expecting to get back. Miles Michaelis and Jack. You guys are forgetting the one guy that they got from Pittsburgh. Who's a really big upgrade. Got the relief pitcher, Richard R- R- uh, Rodriguez, which they needed because their bullpen has yeah. been trash. Well, and I mean, he, their he, rotation stinks he's too. their closer, too, though. So, I mean, like at least I mean, yeah, it I, helps. their pitching's bad, but that's better than what the Cardinals did. Yeah. What? They, I can't wait for this next segment. <laughs> they got better, um, but so did the Cardinals. And so when you're looking at this series, the Cardinals need to continue taking two out of three. And then after that, that's when things really get interesting for this team. Because that, Alex, to your point on the winning streak situation, that's when that's got to start happening. Because you've got the Royals, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Pittsburgh. Like The rest of this month is basically how many wins can you rack up against the worst teams in the two central divisions. Pirates are really good, though. They're terrible. They're terrible. You're you're taking on a team for three games that's in the same spot as you are. So if you want a a barometer of how you're going to be a playoff contender, well, you got to wipe the floor with this team because this is the team that's saying, no, we're going to compete just like you're competing. We're closer. If you can't do that against the Braves, then that's a problem. And honestly, if you want to get back into this thing, 
you got to find ways to sweep the Royals and sweep the Pirates and sweep the Tigers, which this team has been unable to do a lot this season. That's where I'm so hesitant with this because, look, if you go out there and win two or three against Atlanta, yeah, you're 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 building the pace of what you need to do to catch the wildcard team. But then when you meet up with the Royals and if you win two of three or if you win one of three against the Pirates or those six games, you only win three of them total. That's the 500 baseball that can't get you back into this. Yeah, your next 12 games are against Atlanta, Kansas City, and Pittsburgh. Nine in and those 12. 12 games. Or nine and three. Oh, God. Nine, eight and, four, and, nine eight, and 12. Eight and four at a minimum. At a minimum has to be the threshold that you meet before you meet up with Milwaukee for the first time in this second half of the season. That's got to be where that's the starting point. If you can't get there, you're just not going to be able to make up enough ground over the next few weeks. Yeah, and I think that's a good starting point. Eight and four. Be two games better than what Milwaukee is in that stretch heading into it because their schedule is going to be easy, too. They've got Pittsburgh, and then they get San Francisco, which will be a tough one, but then they get the Cubs in Pittsburgh again. So they have an easy schedule just like you. Jeez, a little man. bit tougher. I think they have a really easy schedule the rest of the way, if I'm Basically. not mistaken. Yeah. yeah, so you have to be about two games better than them heading into that three-game set, and that's going to be difficult because the way their schedule plays out for them as well. It's going to be tough. It's 11-14. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The Cardinals got to go on a bit of a run, and the biggest way they're going to be able to do so is by leaning on the guys that are starting the next two games for them. John Lester, Jay Happ. Yes! The saviors of the season. Circa 2015. Was Friday a step forward or sideways for the Cardinals? Talk about it next. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. No, I hope it um, makes us better, first off. Um, secondly, I think it also allows some someone like an Oviedo to continue to develop and not do it at, at a major league level or in that pressure cooker and allow him to grow at a more natural pace. So I think it takes a little pressure off others. It, it allows us, I think, to, again, when you look at, at putting a, a major league team on the field, Sometimes it's nice to know you're running someone out there that's been there and done that. And I, I think now we see that. That was what John Mosaylock had to say about making moves on Friday and whether or not they got better. He says, well, I hope they got better. I agree with him. I think they did get a little bit better on Friday. And I think that seems to be an unpopular opinion today. But thus is life with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. You guys can always get involved in the show via the Rhino Shield mic drop feature. And I would love to hear from Cardinals fans today. What was your reaction when you saw that on Friday, the Cardinals acquired John Lester and Jay Happ? What was your reaction? Was it something of glee? You were super excited about the two wily veterans coming in and starting some games for the Cardinals while they're waiting on Jack Flaherty and Miles Michaelis to get back? Or were you completely underwhelmed and completely out on the Cardinals for the rest of the year? I'm legitimately curious on where Cardinals fans are at on this. Here's where I found myself on Friday, Alex. I thought it was fine. I don't think they got significantly better. Your daily hit of sitting on the fence with BK and Ferrario. I I think that they got more stable in their rotation by putting John Lester and Jay Happ in there as opposed to having some combination of Gantt, Oviedo, and Woodford. And here's why. You remember why we got excited about Wade LeBlanc and why Tanner Hendrickson just... What do you mean when we got excited? We're still excited. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, He's fine. I'm a little past that. Fine. I'm getting into like secondary John Gant territory or James Gant territory now, according to the Minnesota Twins. Listed on the uh, the bullpen sign last night. So 
he, we got excited about it, or at least we got Still optimistic excited. about it because he throws strikes. That's what John Lester and Jay Happ do. On the season, those guys have a combined 7% walk rate. If you're looking at what Gant, Oviedo, and Woodford did in their 31 starts this year, they combined for 87 walks, and it was a 15% walk rate. You're cutting that walk rate in half with these two guys being inserted into your rotation. Now, Jay Happ played in front of a bad defense. John Lester played in front of a bad defense in Washington. The Cardinals are a great defense here in St. Louis. And so if you're looking for how they get a little bit better, it's by pitching to contact and having a defense behind them that helps them prevent runs. I think you're going to see these guys with very similar and maybe even a, probably a little better results than what we've seen thus far from Wade LeBlanc. I think that's what the formula is for the Cardinals. Feel good about yourself now? I feel better about the Cardinals. <laughs> Look, they did exactly what we thought they were going to do. They found that underlying kind of bargain bin pitchers, and I'm not trying to throw any crud at J.A. Happ or J. Happ or John Lester, but that's what they were here. They were bar- You weren't giving up an awful lot from your team for guys who can give you innings. The problem is these guys have struggled to give their teams innings, and totally, I understand yeah. Minnesota and Washington have not been great defensively, but they're not horrible defensively. I think Minnesota's right on par where the blue- where the Cardinals are defensively. Ooh, I would not go that far. Really? No. Because, like, I think they got a pretty darn good defense. Now, I haven't looked at seeing what the errors look like for those teams. But, Did you oh, see yeah, Kepler Minnesota, yesterday? Yeah, Minnesota's actually up there towards the top. Yeah, they're not good defensively. They're I'm very just looking bad at Angleton Simmons, and Simmons is actually pretty good. They're playing good. Miguel Sano, like, regularly in the field. They're not good defensively. Ah, he's great. <laughs> he's great. He's great. But, look. They have Angleton Simmons, who's good. Yeah, Otherwise, they're not good. That's who I was looking at, essentially. But, anyway... You're getting guys who would, yeah, pitch to contact, but the problem is those contact are usually for power. And you're either seeing home runs off these guys or you're seeing extra bases. So in the sense you're getting rid of guys who are giving up a lot of walks, but you're bringing in guys who have struggled to get through four innings on a consistent basis in their career. So maybe they find the fountain of youth with Adam Wainwright because, frankly, Adam Wainwright must have like a uh, capitalism on that here in St. Louis where nobody's allowed to touch it. But... I'm a little concerned what they are because for me, if they're not going to give you five or six innings, which may be too much for me to ask for the names that you're getting, but if they're not going to give you five or six innings, you're essentially doing the same thing to your bullpen, except now you're bringing in guys when there's runners on base or runners that have scored rather than just walks, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I to me, these moves almost felt like just moves to make a move, just to say we did something. Because to me, you don't get any better by adding these guys. They're not going to provide you, I don't think they give you much, they do give you a little bit better of a chance over an Oviedo, Woodford, and a Gantt that are in your rotation, but not a whole lot. If they were going to go make a move in the rotation, I would have liked to seen them get a guy that had another year control. That way you could have some depth heading into next season with your starting pitching, because we don't quite, we don't quite know what that's going to look like this year. But they weren't going to trade what it was going to take to do that. So we had to acknowledge you're not going to trade a top five to seven prospect. So if that is off the table, and it was, it was off the table for the Cardinals. Then I don't, I'm on riding the fence here because I understand why they did it, but I don't know if I would have made the moves. I would have just let these guys get the experience at the big league level, let them go from there because it's going to be a tough ride to catch Milwaukee. And honestly, I, I don't know if these guys help you this year to do that see that's where i differ from t-bone though because i don't think they got worse by acquiring these players because i do think what they accomplished is kind of what you were alluding to bk 
you accomplished the fact of now you can send Oviedo and Woodford down to the minors and say, hey, we're not touching you the rest of the way until your season is complete. So just go out there and dominate. And I heard Al Rabowski say that on the post game a couple of nights ago. It must have been Saturday after Oviedo's game where he said, look, kid, just go down there and just dominate. I don't care what you do, who you do. Get your confidence just, back, just, man. Just destroy AAA because then next year you have that confidence to come in and fight for your rotation. So that's where I think they did get better. Here's what John Mosellock had to say about it. He was talking about this and what the Cardinals needed to do with their rotation. Here's his explanation on why they decided to make these moves. Ultimately, we added two veteran pitchers. Um, obviously, they're looking for a, a fresh start, but... You know, I do think those types of guys like Hap and Lester can help stabilize our, our rotation. And then, you know, ultimately getting Flaherty and, and Miles back, I think just the overall depth of arms and the experience will be something that we benefit from. And hopefully we can get going and, and get on a little run. Alex, have you ever had a point in your life where you have a car that you're driving? It's a terrible car. And it runs out of basically everything. The engine goes out, your transmission goes out, whatever, right? And so you got to buy a new car, but you ain't got no money. You're broke. You, maybe you were in college, you're just out of college, you're not making a whole lot of money in your maybe career. you're 30 and you're working radio. When you're in that situation, you're not out there looking for a Mercedes. You're not looking for a Beamer. You're looking to find something that can get you from point A to point B, right? And then maybe later on, you get the upgrade. And maybe instead of having the the Pinto, now you're driving a Honda Accord, and you're feeling like you're getting up in the world a little bit, and you know what? You're comfortable in that spot, right? Right now, the Cardinals' rotation was, it was very new, but the the power steering no longer worked. Uh, you couldn't uh, go up or down with the windows. The power windows were Look, broken. I had a Ford Tempo when I was in high school. That when when it went above sixty, the speedometer started to shake. The the clutch it, it was no longer working at times. You'd Woof. get up to a stoplight and it would stall out. Like and there was a and lot push. that went wrong. But there were times. There were times. When I'll be damned if that 2019 Ford Mustang it drove like a champ. But you never knew what it was going to be on any given day. That was the Cardinals rotation with Johan Oviedo and Jake Woodford. But isn't that what the rotation is now with John Lester and Jay Happ? Nope. Now you got a 2000 Honda Accord with 200,000 miles on it. And it may go out. But it is very reliable. It is very reliable for the here and now. And while you are driving it, you feel pretty good about getting from your home to work and getting back home afterwards. That's where the Cardinals are at right now. They couldn't be picking and choosing on exactly what they wanted because they weren't willing to pay what it was going to cost to go get that Beamer, to go get that Mercedes Benz. They wanted to go out there and find something that was reliable. And Jay Happ and John Lester, for all their warts, warts, and they've got plenty of them, John Lester this year has a 5-0 ERA. Jay Happ this year has a 6.8 ERA. They have not been particularly good. But given their new circumstances, I think they will be better. And if you're the Cardinals, and to your point on what the young guys are going to be able to do now, Alex, they wanted to accomplish two goals at this deadline. One, send those guys back down. Jake Woodford, Johan Oviedo, they're not ready for the big leagues. They're just not. I think we know at this point that that is the case. Two, how do we bridge the gap to when Miles Michaelis and Jack Flaherty are ready to come back to this rotation three weeks from now? And what they decided was these old guys that throw 88 to 91, this is the way that they're going to be able to do it. It's not sexy. 
It is certainly not going to make you super excited and have these warm, fuzzy feelings about where the Cardinals are at and where they're going. But when you're going up against the Pirates in the Royals over the next two weeks before you're able to get Jack Flaherty and Miles Michaelis back, this is exactly what you needed. You needed the 2000 Honda Accord that's going to get, be able to get you from point A to point B. Yeah, and look, John Lester, I can understand, although the thing that makes me hesitant with John Lester is I'm looking back in his last six starts and three of them he was unable to get through the third inning. So that makes me a little concerned. Um, but look, I mean, he keeps the runs to a minimum, at least most of the time. Jay Happ is the one I'm a little confused by because Jay Happ feels a lot like Johan Oviedo, feels a lot like Jake Woodford, frankly feels a lot like John Gant when he was pitching for the Cardinals. And essentially that's what... But he doesn't throw... He doesn't walk, guys. Yeah, because he gives up nine runs and ten hits through three innings to the Tigers. Jay Happ, at least he did last night, I don't know if the numbers changed heading into today, led American League in most earned runs at last. And he's, I think he's top four in home runs and starting pitchers. Look, he gave up... You know who else was that way before they got to St. Louis? Wade LeBlanc. Wade LeBlanc had a 9-5 ERA for the Orioles But what year. I'm saying is you jer- you traded a guy who was sustainable for you in the rotation, and he got bad towards the end, but you traded for a guy who has given up 20 runs in his last three games. Yeah, he hasn't been good. But it, he also has... But how is that supposed to keep you in this race if a guy can't keep the runs down to a minimum because I think he will in St. Louis because he's in a a much better pitcher friendly park he's got a better defense behind him and he's going to throw strikes I I think that what you're going to see from him is very similar to what you've seen from Wade LeBlanc and he's going to get you through five he's going to give up three or four runs consistently and when when you look at the ERA at the end of the day you ain't going to be thrilled by it but he's going to give you a chance to win consistently. That's what Way the Blanc has done. Way the Blanc hasn't been this perfect pitcher for the Cardinals. He's been perfectly adequate, and he's been able to get you through games, and you feel like you've got a chance to win when he's out there. I think that's what Jay Happ is supposed to be for you. Because yeah, well, I didn't feel good about the Cardinals having a chance to win when Jake Woodford took them out on Saturday no, either. I didn't either. And that's where I look at this and I say, well, in some ways it's a win because I'm looking at 2022 for this team and now you have more guys who are getting more experience, which is important. But for those two acquisitions, does it help? Yeah, because you got guys who can throw, but I don't know if it helps you anymore getting closer to the wild card, the NL Central top. Coming up in the 12th hour, we're going to hear from you guys. Rhino Shield mic drop features in the 101 ESPN app. What was the message that you felt like the Cardinals sent to you as a fan when they made the decision on Friday to trade for John Lester and Jay Happ? Did you feel great about it? Are you feeling kind of like me where you're in the middle, but you feel fine? Or are you pessimistic like Tanner? Because of course he is. Coming up next, Cardinals insider for The Athletic. Katie Wu is going to join us. We'll ask her for her impression on the moves on Friday and This schedule, it opens up a little bit for the Cardinals now. How much does that play into the Cardinals' potential uh, chances of making the playoffs? Katie Wu tells us next. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. He's the newest Cardinal. He's going to be starting for the Cardinals on Wednesday. Is it silent? But but then he also just comes back with, it doesn't matter, he's got a 6 ERA. There's a dot, an A, a dot. That means it's J-A. So with R-A Dickey, did you call him Raw Dickey? I'm just telling you Or like Bo, do you just go B-O? Well, we did do that. Oh, yeah. I'm just telling you what Baseball Reference says on his Baseball Reference uh, page. It says J, J A Y, J Hap is how you pronounce it. The gentleman's name. His mama called him J. I'ma call him J. Did you say mama? 
Yeah, it's a quote from a movie with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's go out to the Crown and Crouppen celebrity line now to be joined by our Cardinals insider. She works for The Athletic. You should check out her work there. She is also on Twitter at Katie J. Wu. She is Katie Wu. Katie, thanks for joining us on what has been an eventful Monday morning already. How are you doing today? I'm sorry. I'm still trying to get my composure from Rod Dickey. Are you guys okay this morning? <laughs> I'm just saying, Katie. Like, if we're going to call him J.A. Dickey and he goes by J, then R.A. Dickey, who has the periods in between the letters, should be called Rod. Or Ray, I guess. I- Alex, I oh, that's what you're that. laughing at. Katie. Totally understand what Katie, you're saying, Katie. Katie, I think that's where you're laughing at because I should have went with Ray instead of J- Ra. Am I correct there? No, I don't think you're I, still I on the same on. path. <laughs> It is a uh, Alex. Now, now I'm looking up R A. Now I'm looking up Roz Dickey's uh, baseball <laughs> de- reference page. Now, Alex, you got to stop, man. No, game, game over. All right. So, uh, Katie, uh, what was the weekend like for you watching the Cardinals win two out of three against the cart or against the Twins? <laughs> uh, well, after I recovered from what I think was probably the most crazy trade deadline in I don't know the last decade, um, I. It, the Cardinals did what they had to do, right? I mean, they've put an emphasis on winning series. You look at the strength of schedule in August, and you look at the Twins, and you're like, okay, well, if you don't win this series against the Twins, how does that bode well for the rest of the month where you're playing teams that are arguably around the same, maybe not as bad, but around the same you know, group of, of where the Twins are this season? Uh, so they did exactly what they needed to do. You win two out of three, they're, that's their, their mantra for August, right, is winning series. Hopefully they can get a couple sweeps in there, but – that's ultimately what they have to do. They have to win over 60% of their games if they want even a chance in September. So it was nice to see this team uh, with the last kind of stopgap rotation that we'll see until the aforementioned John Lester and Jay Happ make their eventual Cardinals debut, kind of pulled the Ford over there. But I have to tell you guys, I was reading our, our the Athletic, for those of you who don't know, does a uh, weekly power rankings. And this was our trade deadline edition by... Chad Jennings and Tim Britton are Red Sox and Mets writer. And I get to the Cardinals, and spoiler alert, they're ranked 19th this week. And there's two sentences that made me laugh almost as hard as Rod Dickey. It said, said, what they did, traded for lefties John Lester and J-Hap. What they could have done, looked at a calendar to know what year it was. So I think that's, that's, you know, and no knock on either of these guys who are two established veterans, wonderful careers. Um, But this is a, uh, it's a move. It is a choice. And I'm looking forward to bringing that that down. It's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. Katie, on Friday, I was listening, the the Fastlane, our afternoon show, had Matt Holiday on as it broke that the Cardinals had traded for John Lester. And Matt Holiday had a ton of success and is close friends with John Lester. And they told him, hey, you know, a guy that has won a World Series in both the American League and the National League uh, is now a Cardinal. And they, they tried to get him to guess. And he's like, I don't know, guys, who is it? And they said, it's John Lester. He said, well, only about three years too late, but good move nonetheless. And I think that kind Wait. of summed up how a lot of Cardinals fans and apparently how uh, the writers over at The Athletic felt about these moves. Yeah, you know, when... You, when I saw that, that they, they had traded and the trade was official for, for half, you know, it made sense. John Gant's a third-year arbitration-eligible guy at the end of the offseason. They've recently fortified the bullpen with T.J. McFarland, and Justin Miller has kind of overtaken some of that part, too. They're going to get Ponce back. There wasn't really a spot for Johnny Gant, so that 
you know, from a team perspective, made sense to move him. He was probably going to be a little bit more expensive this offseason than they would have liked. The Lester thing, I think, caught everybody off guard. And, you know, when you look at, when you listen to President of Baseball Operations, John Mozeliak's reasoning, his reasoning is, hey, we just need pitchers that can meet innings. And then when you first look at the stats, you'll see that John Lester and, and Jay Happ have uh, averaged amount, about the same amount of innings per start as Jake Whitford and Johan Oviedo. So the, the first rationale is that makes zero sense. <laughs> but you have to look at it from a different perspective and kind of look at these as pitchers and what they've done in their careers and not just look at the stats, right? Both Happ and Lester have won a World Series, although Happ came in 2008. But they have the postseason experience. They have the veteran durability. And if you're only going to get five innings from your starters, it might as well be from guys that have done this before, that are established veterans, that have gone through the motions of a big league season for over a decade now, then further risk the development of Jake Woodford and Johan Oviedo, both young up-and-coming pitchers in this system that the organization values highly. They both have great stuff. They both have the ability to be good. But as we saw, particularly with Oviedo, it can be really detrimental to have them learn in a, the, I think Mosaic used the term pressure cooker environment of the big leagues. So from that reasoning, I understand the move. It is better overall, if you're only going to get five innings from each starter, to have it be from Western half than have it be from Woodburn and Oviedo and further risk harming them and their development for next year. Katie, so I can see that. Katie, do you feel like that those moves too? And I mean, look, the Cardinals are never going to just, you know, they're never going to punt on the season because essentially they still are in this race, whether it be for the wild card or the NL central crown. But do you feel like this move was more about 2022, just knowing that you have those guys, the ability and feeling like there's more of, I don't know, you're obviously going to be more healthy, but you have more of a shot next year than this year. Yeah, I think so too. And you make a good point. They're not going to punt. This organization does not sell. They does not, they do not tank. And, you know, I find it interesting that for one, fans are complaining that an organization didn't tank. Like I, I thought, you know, maybe I'm naive here, but the the, the, the opportunity that they're still in it should be exciting. Um, but you know, the front office made it very clear when they were negotiating at the trade deadline, they were their top five prospects were pretty much off limits. Now you can make an argument on the order, but that top five is what Libertor, Gorman, Herrera, Thompson, and, and Mason Wynn, and Jordan Walker is probably pretty untouchable there too. And you saw from the trade that it was going to take, no matter who you wanted, especially if you wanted starting pitching, it was going to take a pretty big haul to land that. And they just weren't willing to part with that because they looked to be in such good shape for 2022. And I think the hope here is that in 2021, the remainder, what, 55-ish games or so that's left in the season, they can take advantage of a very favorable August and 13 remaining games against the Brewers. They also have a couple games left against the Reds a couple series, I should say, and a three-game set against San Diego, which looks to be in kind of a dangerous spot right now, and maybe they can sneak into the wild card game. They're, they're by no means punting on the 2021 season, but the primary focus was let's not tank ourselves for 2022 in a sort of like panicking, high-risk gamble to make the playoffs. Let's make these like lower-risk, calculated moves. Let's bank on the returns of Miles Michaelis and Jack Flaherty, and hopefully that's enough because if you are playing in a one-game wild card winner-take-all situation, it's hard to imagine you want a better guy than Jack Flaherty on the mound in that situation. So they were able to make these moves and stay relatively somewhat in the playoff picture 
without absolutely decimating what their 2022 blueprint looks like. Katie Wu is our guest. You can find her work over at The Athletic, where earlier today she wrote a piece on what the Cardinals' upcoming schedule looks like. And Katie, we've talked a little bit about this as well. And if you're looking between now and August 15th, you've got a bunch of teams under 500, including the Royals and the Pirates, who are just two of the worst teams in baseball for nine of the 12 games. In this next 12-game stretch, we said earlier 8-4, and 9-3 and three feels like it kind of needs to be the bar for the Cardinals. Do you think that's fair, or do you think it should be higher, lower? Where would you be at on what the Cardinals need to do in their next 12 games against the Braves, 6 against the Royals, and 3 against the Pirates? You know, the Braves' record doesn't reflect it. I know they're missing Acuna, which is still very sad. But, you know, if they can win the Braves series and then win 8-4 of four overall the next 12 games, that's they're in a really good spot there. But what really needs to happen is they set that tone throughout the month. I mean, 21 of their next 24 games comes against opponents under 500. They have 10 games against the Pirates this month. You have to make up some ground here. Of course, the one series up until August 30th, that isn't against a team that's under 500 is a three game set against the Brewers. And you absolutely have to make some ground up there too. So for right now, you know, I know it is kind of detrimental to look ahead at the whole calendar. I know that professional athletes will tell you one game at a time, but there has to be some sort of stress put on again, winning series. I think they can make a statement by taking two out of three against the Braves. And they absolutely have to win these series coming up against the, uh, the Royals, the Pirates, the Royals again, and the Pirates again. (laughs) That just absolutely has to happen. So, Katie, we've seen Jack Flaherty and Miles Michaelis continue with their rehab assignments down in the minors, and we heard Mo, who was on Carriker and Smallman earlier this morning, say probably about 15 days with Jack Flaherty, maybe a little less with Miles Michaelis. Realistically, are we looking at possibly around that Milwaukee Brewers series that you could honestly have both of those guys back in your rotation? Hey, I mean, it's August 2nd, right? Two plus 15 is that's 17. That's the first day of that, that was a Brewers dangerous game to yeah. play there, Katie. Katie you I play respect dang- your willingness you to are, do it. You are fighting with fire when you do math on the air with us two. Um, I was really confident in adding two to 15, but that's probably as high as I go for Well, math. BK was really uh, confident in adding eight and three to 11, but then it turned into like eight and four would be in the next 11. He's like, wait, that's not right. It's fine. It's every, everything's fine. Go on, Katie. Um, Sorry. It's close. It's close enough. Um, <laughs> but that's not a coincidence, right? I mean... I think, above all, they're going to prioritize the health of these guys. I was talking to Miles uh, Michaelis the other day, and this is paraphrasing. These are not his words verbatim. But for just talking to him, it's about making sure they are healthy because the worst thing that can happen right now is what we saw in mid-May. It's really when, when Miles threw four innings and was hurt again. It's really hard to replicate the environment of a big league setting. It's actually pretty much impossible to do that in a rehab setting, in a rehab outing. There's just too many ulterior factors that go into play there. So it's really going to be about making sure both of these players are ready to go. It looks like, you know, they're what Miles is going on his third rehab start tomorrow. I'm not sure when Jack says he just pitched his second one yesterday. So it should be in the next few days or so. Usually around three rehab starts to four, you're looking at guys getting activated. But I think it's, again, going to take a couple more weeks. However, it's no coincidence that this team is targeting that return potentially around that Brewers series. Those are three must-win games for this organization. Again, if they're not ready, they're not going to push him. But if they've checked all the boxes twice and both these guys look good, that's when I would expect reasonably for them to be up. Final question for you as we're talking to Katie Wu here on 101 ESPN. Katie, other than like the playoff push, of course, because that's what everything's always focused on for the Cardinals, 
What's the biggest question that you think needs to be answered for the Cardinals the remainder of this season? Like if they had their best case scenario on something, what is something they would like to have answered by the end of this 2021 season? Um, I mean, the obvious one is the rotation, right? Because I, I highly doubt this rotation of Wainwright, Tapp, Lester LeBlanc, and Kim is what we see in 2022. I, <laughs> I'm very confident in saying that's not what we will see. Um, but I think the rotation will kind of sort itself out. And there's, for one, seem to be some sort of, like, optimism and solutions. It's a risky move there. It's, you know, there's not a lot of margin for error. But for me, the biggest question is the offense. Uh, in June, they were dreadful. They were bottom of the National League in almost every standard offensive category. In July, their offensive metrics, especially analytically, have risen. They've, they've made improvements, but they're still in the lower half of a lot of the standard offensive categories like runs, run scored, walks, OPS. So those offensive jumps that they made in July were fantastic. I don't want to diminish them by any way, any way at all. They came in, they started changing their approach. They implemented the things that Mike Schultz wanted to see. But that offense has to continue improving in August. Otherwise, it ultimately won't matter what the rotation looks like. So for me, that's the biggest question is, is this offensive tick that they're on as they continue climbing up sustainable? And can they hold it so that whatever task work they're doing with the rotation ultimately pays off? Katie, we'll be reading your work over at The Athletic. People should follow you on Twitter at Katie J. Wu. All the best this week, and we'll talk with you again next week, hopefully after the Cardinals have a successful stretch here against some losing teams. Sounds great, guys. You know it. Absolutely. That's Katie Katie. Wu joining us here on 101 ESPN. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. I think that's a good question to get answered, and if I were to specify that on any one player, we've talked about it a lot, it's got to be Paul DeYoung, right? If the Cardinals could have an answer on any one player, Tommy Edmonds seen a real uptick in his offense of late. The doubles are something that you want to see out of him. He's a line drive hitter, and he's now up to 26 on the year. If you could have any one guy really see an uptick in his offense the remainder of this season, whether it be for the Cardinals' future or for his trade value, in my mind, at least, it would probably be Paul DeYoung. Yeah, it's Paul DeYoung for me as well, and I think the answer needs to be, is he your guy or are you going into the shortstop market? Because I'm with Katie. I think the bigger picture and bigger question is what is this offense? Because if you're going to make a serious push in 2022 with this roster and you feel like your pitching is where it needs to be pending health, the only thing you need to have answered is why your offense is so inconsistent. I think that comes to shortstop coming up here in about 15 minutes or so. Alex was listening to a podcast earlier today, and he's heard, he heard some new reports on what the future could hold for Vladimir Tarasenko. We'll get into that. And Alex's latest Ferrari five coming up at the top of the hour coming up next though, six, five, seven, eight, Oh, air comfort service tax line. If you've got some questions, I'll try to have some answers next on one Oh one ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Such a great question. 65780 is your comfort service sex line from the 314. Guys, you can keep one of Lester or Hap next year. Which one are you keeping? And oh, by the way, you have to keep one so you cannot say neither False. of the two. You can't tell me what to do. I don't want to keep either. I of want them. LeBlanc. No, you don't. No, you don't. Uh, I'd say I'd, I'd I was keep... looking up LeBlanc's numbers, by the uh, way. I don't want to hear it. Since becoming a starter, don't, he's allowed an OPS right oh. at 800. Wow. That's fantastic. Don't ruin my Let's bring hero him in. for me. Let's bring him back next year, 2022 World Series. Uh, I'd say Lester. I, I mean, honestly, I'd bring Lester back if in the hopes that he could find that, reignite that flame from 2016. Maybe he finds the fountain of youth with Adam Wainwright. I'm not bringing back. Lester really hasn't been that bad this year. 
What? His ERA you heard plus me say, 75. You heard me say he's given up 20 runs in his last three games, 77, right? 77, first of all. Oh, sorry. And second of all, he has a 5.0 ERA this season. He's given up 20 runs in his last he three games. He hasn't been good for three years. I understand. I didn't say he's been good. I said he hasn't sorry. been that I'm not, bad. I'm not bringing back J.A. Happ. His name's Jay. No, it's not. It's J.A. If you don't want us to call you J.A., don't put the periods in between Thank the letters. You. Thank you. Yeah, I think I'd say lesser, too, just because he has a better uh, history. Hap has not. I don't know if Hap's ever been an all-star. Yeah, he has. Oh. He was in the Cy Young conversation before, too. Oh. 2018, he was an all-star. Oh, that that's not that long, long ago. ago. <laughs> I, I think I'd rather have Lester. We'll see if he can rekindle that. He's won a Cy Young. One he two. had a 2.7 ERA in the first half of the 2018 That beats season. what I was going to say, because I was going to say they must have been really dying for all-stars. But he nope, had a 3.5 ERA for the Yankees last year. He was good last year. Yeah. I, I think I think Shortened I'd still season. take Lester. Just Over see if he can under find three that. Three and a half ERA for Jay Hat the rest of this season. Are you freaking kidding me? Over. <laughs> oh my god! He just really asked that, didn't he? I can't. Man, believe. you are drinking that Kool Aid, baby. Six five seven eight zero oh, is the Air Comfort Service X line Over for under three point five ERA. Questions and answers that. from the two one seven. By the way, I, I'm, a, I'm in agreement with you guys. John Lester under. is the one that I would bring. Yeah, his first name's a lot easier to pronounce. <laughs> Jan. Uh, from the 217, which free agent shortstop would you most like to see the Cardinals pursue this offseason? You had your choice of which free agent shortstop you would like to be a Cardinal next year. Who would you choose? Am I going talent or the one that I think would? Go with that, how, whatever your criteria well, you would like you it to be. You go with the one that you think would be good because of his talent, according to your opinion. So, yes, to both <laughs> answers. All of the above. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> You need time to think about this? Yeah, go okay, ahead, go ahead. Ponder what you're going to come up Carlos with. Carlos Correa, Trevor Story, Corey Seager. And then T-Money Swizzle. Simeon. Javi Baez. Yeah, T-Money Swizzle. There's your five. Or if you're um, feeling like the bargain bin. T-Money Swizzle. Andrelton Simmons, I think, is a free agent. This Although I did see Freddy him almost Galvis. make that catch at short the other day. Wolf, that was impressive. Uh, I think the... Pending medical records. And Jose Iglesias is a free agent after this year. Okay, well, oh. you are really, you're like diving for Uncle Buck at the bottom of the bargain bin right now, aren't you? Well, welcome to the Cardinals. <laughs> uh, if pending medical records and that he's healthy the rest of the season, I'd say Corey Seager's at the top of my list. I think he really matches what the Cardinals would want. Um, from there, I would go Trevor Story, even though I know he's going to be expensive. Maybe he and Nolan Arenado can create this uh, shake and bake. I trying oh, to think man. of what that was there for a minute. Like a and then move? honestly, after those two, I think I'd put Marcus Simeon. I don't know if I'd put Carlos Correa at number three. He might be number one for me. Um, Carlos Correa is awesome. If he's healthy, and it's hard to know for sure because that's been the history of him. Like 2019, 2018, 2017, he missed at least 50 games in all three seasons. So there are some serious questions health-wise with him. But he's been very healthy each of the last two seasons. If you feel like that can continue moving forward, he's probably at or near the top of my list, but I also know that he's going to get paid in a big way. He's older too, correct? Is he older he's than 26? He's the, he's one of the he's youngest, youngest of out the of all of them. What's yeah. Corey Seager? Seager is 20 right around the same. Or 28. Oh yeah. So yeah, he's a bit older. Oh yeah. Maybe. Story 29. Oh yeah. I'm not going there. Yeah. Story. That's why I think he's going to get pay less than the others because he's 29 years old so i think you can get him on a five maybe he pushes it to a six-year deal but probably a five-year deal is what he's looking at i i think i would go seager i kind of like to think of yours alex he fits Cardinals well he is a left-handed bat he could hit in the middle of the order he's probably going to get less because of the health that he's had this year again you'd want the medical records first of all but 
uh, and he's clutch. That's the thing I think the Cardinals really need. They need to find that guy that could do what Al, Alan Craig did when he was a Cardinal. Hit well with runners in scoring position. Yeah. They've struggled with that this year. And Corey Seager, we had uh, Jim Bowden on last week, and he talked about how he's been clutch in the postseason. I, I think Seager's the guy that the Cardinals should target if if and when it comes down to the offseason and they go looking to the at short numbers market. too and look carlos correa by no means do i think is a bad like a, he's if you, if you get him like that's a win in my opinion but i'm just looking like 2020 of course where he was an incredible I just, I just throw out everything from 2020 yeah but even after or even that though 2017 nearly a 300 hitter 16 300 hitter i mean at his best you're getting a 300 at his worst you're getting like a 270 hitter and i know talking about Corey Seager Seager, yeah Yeah. and i know carlos correa is there but i just think Corey Seager matches an awful lot what the cardinals are looking for in terms of a top two hitter guy who's clutch like t-bone mentioned he makes a lot of sense he does uh they they basically have very similar numbers in terms of what they've done overall in their career Seager and correa and they both have the same questions. It's can they stay healthy? I guess the tie would potentially go to the fact that Seager's a left-handed uh, hitter, which helps you because you have a lot of righties in your lineup. Um, but that that's its one of the only real differentiators between the two of them. The other thing is I, I think Correa is much better defensively, at least for my money. Um, the other guy that probably deserves a mention in this scenario is Marcus Simeon. He's been very good this year offensively. Now, he's in a great lineup. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to leave the Blue Jays either. He makes a lot of sense to stay there. So uh, he, he also can play second. So maybe he's an option for you at second base, and you still either stick with Paul DeYoung or go a different route at short. I don't know what they're going to do, but uh, that that's kind of the options that they have. They've got a lot of options at the table, and it's a matter of which one they like the best. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up next, Alex was able to listen to a podcast earlier today with one of the best insiders in the NHL. What does he have to say about the future of Vladimir Tarasenko here in St. Louis? And what do other teams around the league think of his injury situation right now? We'll hear that next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. remaining for the Blues this offseason is where Vladimir Tarasenko's future ends up. Is it here in St. Louis? I don't think so. But where is it going to be elsewhere? What can the Blues still get for Vladimir Tarasenko in a trade? Alex Ferrario made us aware of this. He listened to Elliot Friedman's podcast, The 31 Thoughts, earlier today. Here's what Elliot Friedman had to say about Vladdy and how other teams view him right now. You know, Tarasenko, I think they've looked into Tarasenko. I don't know how they feel about it, to be perfectly honest. You know, one of the things that I have heard is that, you know, some teams, I don't know if New Jersey's one of them or not, they aren't crazy about what they're seeing with Tarasenko's shoulder. And I think that's one of the reasons that hasn't been done yet. But I just don't know if New Jersey is going to go there, but I think they're looking for another winger. So in that podcast, of course, he's talking about New Jersey being one of the teams and also the Islanders, and he gets into that a little bit later. I didn't pull that audio because he essentially said everything we've been saying, that Lou likes to hold his cards close to the chest. He wonders if he's they're still in on the Tarasenko talks because they need a top Lou six Lamarillo, winger. Malo, Lou Lamarillo, correct, from the New York the Islanders. Islanders. The, the reason that I pulled this one is that that's interesting because we've heard – in JR's article on The Athletic that, you know, the doctors feel like his arm's healthy, he's going to be 100% this season. Um, but if other teams are still trying to trade for him and they're concerned about that shoulder, well, then that trade demand drops even more. 
right? Like, I don't know if a team's really going to be buying in on trading for Vladdy, especially for the ask of what Doug Armstrong is wanting in return, if the shoulder's not there. Now, again, this is speculation. This is Elliot Friedman reporting, but he's a great reporter in terms of the NHL. But if Vladdy's shoulder is still a concern to other teams, that's going to point more towards teams not being willing to trade for him. And you might have Vladimir a part of this team at the beginning of the season, which is going to be really interesting because if he's not 100%, do you put him on LTIR and just say, well, you're just going to stay there because you're going to not be cap compliant? Or do you just trade him for whatever you can get? just to get him off the roster. That's the part that I think is very interesting in the developments now with this Vladdy stuff. This feels like it has conditional compensation written all over it. And what I mean by that is I think we saw this in, was it the Jake Allen or I think it was the Brian Elliott trade maybe. I don't remember which one it was, but there was a trade that the Blues made where there were conditions on what the Blues would get in return on that deal depending on how many games the other players yeah, started. Conditional picks that go with it. Correct. Right. So if, like for Vladimir Tarasenko in this situation, if Vladdy ends up scoring 20-plus goals this year, the Blues would get a first-round pick in return. If Vladdy scores... Uh, 10 to 20 goals next year, they get a second round pick and so on, right? If he only starts 20 games for you, maybe the Blues get a third round pick, whatever it ends up being, that might be the route that they have to go here. And that stinks. If you're in Doug Armstrong's shoes, I'm sure you're holding out hope that somebody gets desperate, whether that be with an injury that pops up that they weren't expecting or a team that gets left at the altar by all of their other options and free agency, whatever it may be. But eventually, I think Doug Armstrong is hoping, okay, here's what we can do. Here's a team that became desperate enough to be able to offer us what we were looking for. Don't know if that's going to happen, at least not in the foreseeable future. And if it doesn't, you might have to take what you were just saying there, which is less than we were willing to uh, uh, take previously. But if Vladdy's injury situation is as good as he seems to believe, well, he's going to be a productive player next year. And if that ends up being the case, okay, you're still getting that same return. It was just reliant upon Vladdy going out and being productive for the new team. So however that ends up taking shape, I think that might be the route this has to go is some sort of a conditional pick that is dependent on what he does this year for his new team. I think this also comes down to what the return is going to be from the other side. And I think the fourth period, of course, a friend of the show, David Panyota, who's been on the show with us a couple of times from the fourth period, you know, his reporting has said that, you know, it's going to have to be a contract that comes off of the books for the Islanders as well. And you're going to have to eat some of that salary, who that is, what that is, what team that is, that's still to be determined. Um, I, I will agree with Friedman and the reporting on the 31 pod, 31 thoughts podcast the Islanders still seem like a likely destination just because they have been so silent in free agency. And he talked about it on the podcast. If you want to listen, go uh, go listen to it on uh, his Twitter account, Elliot Friedman. But he essentially talks about how like he, the, the rumors are that he's got a contract in place for Zach Parise, Kyle Palmieri, Casey Cizak, and then they're restricted free agents. But they're waiting to find out what the salary looks like for Vladimir Tarasenko so that they can make sure that they're cap compliant. So that's something to keep an eye on. But Lula Amarillo's notorious for holding these things off for a couple of months. So you might be waiting to find out what happens with Vladdy. Yeah, I wonder if this is a scenario where I know you mentioned they maybe they have a deal done already with their or their uh, restricted free agents. One that you've brought up a million different times is Anthony Beauvillier. Mm-hmm. 
He's a guy that has scored 15 to 20 goals-ish, somewhere around that mark for the majority of his career. I don't know how he fits here in St. Louis, but if you were going to make a deal like this, maybe it includes him, it includes Scott Mayfield, who's making 1.5, and that gets you to probably... Four million ish, and maybe the Blues end up having to eat two and a half, three million dollars on that Vladimir Tarasenko deal, and that's how you get to even money going both both directions, right? Something like that makes sense. And then if you include, um, maybe the Blues are sending a uh, pick to uh, the Islanders, and the Islanders are sending a conditional pick back to the Blues. Something of that sort. That's probably where we're headed here is the Blues are going to have to make a hockey trade and that if they get picks in this, it's going to have to be some sort of a conditional. Yeah, I think it just comes down to what the want is for other teams. If they are desperate for a scoring right winger, they're going to take a chance, even if they're not pleased with the medical reports of the shoulder. And again, that's just Friedman's reporting right now because we've seen JR's reporting saying that his shoulder's 100%. It's 12-11, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. So the Blues, the big question that remains for them is Vladimir Tarasenko, but the majority of the big moves have now taken place. And the Central Division looks a heck of a lot different than the last time that we saw this division. And so, Alex, I think that means it's time. For a Ferrario 5, T-Bone hit the open. You're listening to BK and Ferrario. It's time for the Ferrario 5, a top five list of very random things. So, Ferrario, give us your top five. We haven't gotten randomness yet, but we'll get to one of them because there's no randomness involved with this one. All right, five things about the Central Division, guys, and I'm really intrigued by this division this season. I'll start with number five. Nashville's not a concern anymore. Nashville, their GM is, I know, right? Nashville, their GM has called it a competitive rebuild. You've traded away your second best defenseman, your franchise goaltender, who, yes, he was old, but he retired. And you have two guys who are making like $18 million that aren't really that great in Johansson and Matt Duchesne. Nashville, who once was a competitor for a top spot in the Central, I'm not concerned about them anymore for the competitiveness against the Blues. I know Tanner cheered on that. That kind of stinks. I, I wish that they were. I liked the rivalry that was emerging between Nashville and St. Louis. I, it was cool at their I didn't. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's just dumb. It's like the, the fans have a list of chants to, to yell Guys, in the middle of games. they have a chant saying you suck, and it's literally about three minutes long. And I agree. All Nashville. Oh, you think we suck? No. Oh, the, I heard that, too. I the, did, too. He just said that. You're a Kansas City and a Nashville guy? Down with both of you. Unbelievable. Jeez, I'm going man. to Memphis for my bachelor party for a reason because I prefer it to Nashville. Nashville, the reason why they're so easy to hate is because of stuff like that. I would have gone to St. Louis for my bachelor party. Okay, enough of me. you. Um, <laughs> so I liked the fact that these teams went back and forth and back. And, I, yeah, I, I'm going to compa- miss that a little bit. But the bit. rivalry was there because they were good. And exactly. And it stinks now that they're not going to be up there with the Blues. Stay tuned, though. Because I got one that'll make you really happy in my okay. Ferrario five. So that's number five. Number four, the Jets, the Winnipeg Jets, they got better. J E T S. J E T S, like an airplane, but the Winnipeg wow. Jets, they got oh. better. And I think they're back in the conversation of fighting for a top spot. Now, I know that they made the playoffs this past year, but look, their defense was bad. They upgraded. They got a Nate Schmidt from the Vancouver Canucks. Um, they signed, I forgot who the free agent was, but they signed another big defenseman. They re-signed Paul Stastny. They're going to be a good team this year. And I think defensively, they're going to frustrate teams like the St. Louis Blues are trying to get to the front of the net and beat Connor Hellebuck, who's a really good goaltender. So watch for the Winnipeg Jets to fight for a playoff spot because, as we know, top four teams in each division make the playoffs. Winnipeg is going to be trying to steal one of those spots away from the Blues. That is a team that I didn't miss playing. <laughs> 
See, I'm the opposite of that. I actually love playoffs against Winnipeg. I love the wideout. I think it's entertaining when they beat them in the and first round. And physical, too. Yeah, they're big and physical. Like, I liked that rivalry built. Man, you and I just have Nashville different... Nashville just thinks people suck. Yeah, Nash- cool. Nashville's <laughs> go-to chant is, Oh, you suck because you can't stop a goal. And, like, when they have a power play, too, they say, Thanks, Tom. It's time for a power play. Like, yeah, whatever. We get it. You're Nobody likes play. Nashville, BK. Okay, my Just best. because you do doesn't mean we don't have to. Number three on this list. Colorado's got questions. Now, I think you can ask anybody in the NHL, and they'll tell you Colorado's the number one team in the Central. Probably a Stanley Cup favorite still. But because they lost Philip Grubauer, because they tra- or moved Ryan Graves in that expansion draft, and they lost Jonas Donskoy and Brandon Saad, now I get it. They got Gabriel Landeskog back. They have awesome offense. I don't know what their defense looks like. They're small. They're fast. But they don't know have enough guys who can stop guys who go to the front of the net. Their offense is one line strong. And if you find a way, look, we just witnessed this in St. Louis. If an injury happens or if you find a way to contain that line, I don't know how good they're going to be. Maybe I'll eat crow, but Colorado does not look like a favorite for a Stanley Cup as much as they did last year. I think that we have learned here in St. Louis how quickly things change in this league. I I really wonder, did the Avs miss their best chance? That doesn't mean it was their only chance. Did they miss their best chance to win a cup? Now, if... Darcy Kemper ends up having a tremendous season. He surprises all of us. They could still very well be in contention for a cup this upcoming year because they have one of the best players in the world. And when you have that guy, you've always got a shot. Mm -hmm. But their team last year was loaded. They were deep as hell. They had a great goalie who had a potential career here. That was what it felt like for the Blues when they went on their run Mm -hmm. and they missed it. Yep. They weren't able to overcome some of their deficiencies. So I, I'm very curious to see what they look and like. Look, this to year. survive in the central, you have to be big on the blue line. We saw that last year for St. Louis and they lost two big players on their blue line. Ian Cole, who they moved in the middle of the season. Now they got Devon Taves, obviously, who was very helpful for them. But Ryan Graves was their other big defenseman. And Eric Johnson, whether he comes back or not, you don't know how he's going to be health wise. So I just don't see Colorado as a favorite for the cup as many people do number two on this list and i'm going to get a lot of hate on this one because i'm so negative on the cardinals but i do believe st louis is a top two team in the central with the moves that they made now they're a top two team i think it solidifies whatever they do the rest of the offseason and august is big for general managers to round out their teams we've heard jamie talk about the possibility of zidane ochara if you make a move with the islanders moving vladimir tarasenko but brandon Saad and pavel buchnevich make this team a top two team in the division in my opinion because now they have something they didn't have last year and that is depth of scoring for four lines i'm very curious to see how the third line ends up sh- uh shaping up yeah that that is one thing where i look at the blues and listen, if this is your biggest question, like you're in a good spot to your point, you, you have you have fewer questions than a lot of the teams that are elsewhere in your division. But we know at their best, they're a team that rolls out those four lines. Like you said, I don't know how that third line looks right now. And I wish they had a little bit of an upgrade on the left wing on the fourth line. Kyle Clifford has value, but he's going to need to be better than he was a year ago. And he's going to need to be more consistent than he was a year ago for me to feel good about that line adding more oomph yeah. to the mix. So I, I like where they're at. I agree with you. I think they're in a good position. I think Doug Armstrong performed about as well as an, uh, a general manager can, given what his constraints were in the offseason. But I do still have some few, a few questions. Number one on this list, and to the point of you being upset that Nashville's not our actual rival anymore, BK, well, you don't need Nashville anymore because Chicago's back. 
Uh, I know. Everyone's I'm so excited. I'm so uh, happy about this. Uh, Donnie and I were just talking about this earlier today on 105.7 The Point. And, and uh, honestly, Chicago is back as a competitor in the Central. Now, I don't know if they're a favorite in the top four because I think Winnipeg, I think Colorado, I think St. Louis, and honestly, Minnesota, depending on what happens with Kaprizov, could be back there. But look, Chicago's upgraded on defense with both Joneses, Caleb and Seth. They've gotten themselves a nice centerman in Tyler Johnson from the Tampa Bay Lightning. If Jonathan Taves comes back, Patrick Kane is really good still. You have a couple of young forwards in Kirby Dock and Alex Dabrinkit, and Marc-Andre Fleury has opted in, boys. Yep. He has opted in, which means he... You, you're on my side now? Good move by the Chicago Blackhawks? Oh, I was on your side all along. If he opted in. Yeah. If that's he why opted, it was worth the risk. But if he opted out, uh, it would have been dumb. I, Vegas looks so stupid with what they have Agreed. done there and Ryan Reeves. But no, I was in on Flurry. If he plays, I just don't... I mean, you don't know if he's going to play or not with that one. It was a worthwhile risk because you're the Chicago Blackhawks. You didn't give anything up for it. So, like, essentially you're trading for a Hall of Famer with nothing. But, look, if Marc-Andre Fleury opted in, it's because he legitimately feels like that's a Stanley Cup contending team. I don't know if they're at that point, but I will tell you this. With Marc-Andre Fleury, with the upgrades they've had in the offseason, Chicago is going to fight for a playoff spot, and that rivalry is back, which I love for this upcoming season. I missed it. I, I missed being able to see the Blues and Blackhawks going back and forth on what is one of the better rivalries in the sport. Because we haven't had it for two years. I, we've all been missing it. Yeah. And we haven't had it at the high level in like three or four years, yeah. really. You know, that, that that level where you could potentially see each other in the postseason. Because mm-hmm. that's where rivalries really emerge. Right. As much as it is about what happens in the regular season, it's really about those playoff series that we all remember between the Blues and the Blackhawks, and especially the one that we remember so fondly. Of course, for me, my favorite Blue ever, Troy Brower, giving the Blues the victory. Such a weird favorite Blue ever. <laughs> Listen, I, I came to the... I get it. I it's get not it. at all what I thought you were going to say, so... Oh, no, I knew he was going to say that because he's obsessed with, obsessed with Troy Brower. Troy Brower's an all-time great Blue. Every time we get him on the phone, he giggles like Mike Schilt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's right. weird, though. He's never played for Nashville, so I don't know why he likes him so much. <laughs> Enough with you. I'm excited to see Blues Blackhawks once again this year. Yeah. And that Marc-Andre Fleury trade is a game changer. By the way, speaking of goalies that change teams, did you see the situation with Seattle? Philip Grubauer's con- uh, contract. I saw it. Yeah, I those cheaters. It was rejected by the NHL. Now he's still going to end up signing yeah. with Seattle, but the way that they structured it was a co- apparently completely against the rules, and you're not allowed to do. What else does do? Seattle broke the rules this entire offseason with negotiating with free agents before in the period that they weren't allowed to, what? so that they could avoid selecting them in the draft. Seattle broke so many rules this offseason, but the NHL doesn't care because they're paying six hundred and fifty million dollars to be in the NHL. God bless. In a pandemic year, so they're good. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we'll dive into the junk drawer here on 101 ESPN. But coming up next, we want to hear from you guys. 65780 is your comfort service text line. The Rhino Shield mic drop feature is on the 101 ESPN app. What did you think when you first heard on Friday that the Cardinals had acquired J-Hap and John Lester? Um, not great. Thanks, Maybe Mo. that's how you felt. Maybe you were like me and you felt a little better about it after you thought more on it. We'll talk about that. We'll hear from some of you guys and we'll hear what John Mosellock had to say about uh, the Cardinals earlier today. I thought it was a very honest assessment of where his team stands. Do it all next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. 
Well, it'd be to sneak into the wild card, really. I mean, I think that's that's the most realistic. I mean, obviously, you don't want to say you're not trying to chase someone right now, but if you're looking at the you know best case and most realistic, it would be to you know get at least a, a one game playoff and see where you go. Um, but you know, I, I think if you had Jack Flaherty starting that game, you'd feel pretty good about your chances. I was surprised to hear that. That was John Mozeliak earlier today with Carriker and Smallman right here on 101 ESPN. If you missed any of their conversation, the full thing is out on the podcast page, 101ESPN.com, the free 101 ESPN app. It's all presented by I Promise. He's technically right. Cardinals are six and a half games back right now of the Padres in the wild card standings. And if you look at where they're at in the divisional standings, they're nine and a half games back of the Brewers. So if you're looking at what's more realistic for this team, as strange as it sounds, it's actually the wild card. And we know Nolan Arenado promised Greg Amsinger at the all-star break. The Cardinals are going to be playing in the wild card game. That's what's going to happen. Do I think that is reality I don't I actually think that even though I know what the numbers say I think the Cardinals are more likely to take overtake the Brewers because they have 13 games head-to-head and if the Cardinals went something like 10 and 3 however realistic you believe that to be I think that's the best chance for them to actually make the playoffs. But I thought that was interesting hearing that earlier today from John Mosellock and his assessment of where this team is at. It makes sense. I mean, it is your best chance. I mean, look, you're nine and a half behind the Brewers and the Brewers schedule is just as easy as yours on top of you playing the Brewers. What? Nine times for the rest of the season, 13 times the rest of the year. So, I mean, you're looking at having to win like 10 or 11 of those games against the Brewers, which seems really unlikely for the pitching matchup that you're going up against. And I understand a lot of people's theory on holding the hope of catching the Padres in the NL West or maybe the Giants or the Dodgers, depending on what happens. But it seems like they go right to the Padres because of the Tatis Jr. situation if he's out for the rest of the year. But look, they acquired... Adam Frazier, who's a sensational player, and yes, he's an outfielder, but you have a lot of depth pieces that can play shortstop for you. I mean, you have the uh, Hassan Hassan Kim, Kim. who's good. Um, They have Cronenworth, who's a second baseman. I mean, you have a lot of infield options right now for the Padres, and frankly, their pitching is just dominant. So I I just don't see the possibility of catching one of those three teams in the NOS because they all upgraded at the trade deadline. But if there is one outcome that's likely, it would be the wild card game because I just don't see you catching the Brewers. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't know if it's impossible to catch the Brewers because you do have the 13 games against them. But going 10 and 3 against them is more than likely not going to happen because of those 13 games, you're going to see more than likely one, if not all three, of their big three in Woodruff, Burns, and uh, is it Peralta? Is that the one I'm forgetting? Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah, Peralta. So. No, I don't know if it's possible to catch Milwaukee. You'd have to go really good, play really good against them, and you still have to leapfrog the Reds. Let's I not forget that aspect that. too. If I'm not mistaken, the wild card standings, the Padres are the only one in front of you. If I'm not mistaken, or the, the Phillies, and the Reds, the Reds are. Or, well, okay, yeah, Reds too. So you have to leapfrog them, and the Tatis thing is the thing to keep an eye on with the Padres. To me, the Padres are can be a team that can go through a little bit of a slump because their pitching is great, but. I feel more confident Their in them going through a strunch. better in name than it is in production this yeah, year. Yeah, Casnell has not been very good. Musgrove, I don't think he's been good since he threw the no-hitter. So their pitching can lead them into a slump, unlike the Brewers, who we've talked about in the past week or so, about a team that 
you look at their pitching and you say, man, it's hard to believe that they could go through a slump because one of those three guys is more than likely going to get you a great outing and avoid you losing a streak of two in a row. Yeah, Snell this year has a 5.4 ERA on the season, which is surprising. And Paddock, who they were waiting on to come back this year, has a 5.1 ERA coming off of all of those injuries that he dealt with a year ago. Musgrove's been good. Yu Darvish has been solid, although I think he's gone through a little bit of a slump of late. But their pitching is not nearly what we're talking about with the Brewers, and that's why it feels a little more realistic when you combine that with the Fernando Tatis Jr. situation. So the other thing that you have to take into account is what's happened over the last month. We mentioned this in the open. The Cardinals, since the 4th of July, have the best record in the division, technically. They've won or split six of their last seven series. That's all very good. The problem is they've gained a half a game on both the Brewers and the Reds. So while you're doing what you needed to do, and Mike Schilt says it after basically every series now, hey, we just got to keep winning these series. We'll be in a good spot. Man, that's that's nice in theory, but in reality, the Cardinals need to do even more than that. They got to start putting together some sweeps because otherwise they're not actually gaining a whole lot of ground in this division. And the big question is, are the moves that you made on Friday, is that enough to get you over that hump? We wanted to ask the listeners today, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. You guys can always get involved via the Rhino Shield mic drop as well. What was your reaction on Friday? You see the Cardinals go out there and they trade for Jay Happ. They trade for John Lester. It was obviously a little bit of letting the air out of the balloon after we had been talking previously on deadline day about the possibility of acquiring Trevor Story. Well, that's not quite the same caliber of move that they made for Jay Happ and John Lester. So where were you at on this? How did you feel about the moves? How do you feel about the Cardinals now for this stretch run? Let's start out with Evan via the Rhino Shield mic drop feature. In my opinion, the acquisition of J.A. Happ and John Lester was basically a white flag. If you look at John Lester's splits, he's really been really good against lefties this season, but his... Um, ERA against righties is like a 5-2 and in a division where it's very right-handed dominant, hitter dominant, except for maybe the Reds. So I have some pretty big issues with the acquisitions. So that's interesting. Um, If you look at the division, I know they're very right-handed heavy, but they do not hit well against lefties. As teams, the Brewers and Reds are hitting a combined 234 this year against left-handed pitching. This comes from Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. The Brewers have the 17th best OPS this year against left-handed pitching. The Reds and Pirates both rank in the bottom seven of uh, the, the majors against lefties. So you actually do have some sort of an advantage over these teams based on what they've done in their sample size so far this year against left-handed pitching. So I, I would disagree with that part of the mic drop, but if you're somebody that believes that the Cardinals put up the white flag because of these moves, I disagree with it, but I understand where you're coming from because it is as much about 2022 as it is about 2021. Yeah, I don't think they put up a white flag. I mean, what they did is they got guys that they feel can help them in the wild card race. I just don't know if what they feel can help is actually going to help them because look, the one thing about whether it's lefty or righty, the teams in the NL central with the exception of the pirates and the Cubs, now that all their moves is the Reds and the Brewers, they have a lot of power in their lineup. And especially I'm looking at the Reds and the Brewers too, because they've come up with this power that we haven't seen for a while with Adamas and Yelich and Colton Wong. 
But you look at Jay Jay Happ, who's given up a lot of home runs so far this season. John Lester hasn't given up a lot, but he's given up a lot of runs and a lot of contact. Regardless if they're lefties or righties, I think you're going to run into a problem of guys who have been hitting really well when you're matching up against them. Let's go back out to the Rhino Shield mic drop feature, and this is Lee. You know, I think if you look at what the cards have done with these trades, yeah, it doesn't seem like a whole lot, and it probably isn't. But with what's been successful for the pitching in that not everyone's throwing heat, they're just trying to find ways to throw strikes and add a little salty grit to uh, the club, Lester and Hap aren't a bad way to go, I guess. Yeah, Lester reminds me a lot of the John Lackey move that they made back with the Boston Red Sox. Now, I think Lackey was pitching better than what Lester was when they acquired him, but they are two of the same people. I mean, they're very gritty kind of hard-nosed players and I think when you put a John Lester on your roster maybe he comes into a winning atmosphere and says okay I can be a part of this and and find some Jay Happ is the one that I'm not too sure about but I don't know much about Jay Happ because he spent a lot of time in the American League but um, you know maybe you get the hard-nosed guys who just are pitching for contact maybe that allows Nolan Arenado and company to go to work the problem is the errors that we have seen over the last few weeks because we have seen some errors with the infield whether it's Arenado which is uncommon Paul DeYoung at short that's the part that you're wondering how that can be with these two guys yeah I, I'm not too worried about that especially with Hap just because he's such a fly ball pitcher um, and that's where some of those home runs that you're talking about come from. But in this ballpark, some of them, he's given up the fourth most of starting pitchers this season. I hear you uh, at this ballpark. I do think it's going to help him a ton because Bush stadium plays heavy to the pitching side of things. And this outfield's going to make a lot of plays that were not made for him previously. If you're looking for any outfield defense in all of baseball that can help a pitcher, I'd say coming to St. Louis is a pretty good place to, yeah. to come for him. Can I ask another question? Yeah. What, what the hell happened with Cole Hamels? Who? Uh, he's he, he's he, not pitching. So. He like pitched for like what thirty teams and nothing happened with him. I mean, was he that bad? I Probably. I don't know. Was is Cole Hamels a better option than Jay Happ? That'd be my question. I don't know. I, I'm giving well, you stop my honest giving answer. Me, I don't know, BK. What answers? I I would think if he looked super impressive, somebody would have signed him by now. So my guess is, yeah, Jay Happ is a better option for you than Cole Hamels. Cole Hamels, sorry, buddy, you sucked. I mean, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Steven, let's hear from you on the Rhino Shield mic drop feature. I legitimately feel like the Cardinals did the right thing. Hey. I've been sitting here saying that I'm not really sure why everyone thinks the sky like is His phone's going to go out because he's lying. I know the team wasn't perfect, but the last full season of baseball – this team went to the NLCS. Yeah. This team has a history of, of overperforming in the second half. Yeah. It has an easy second half schedule uh-huh. that could allow for maybe 40 wins. Yeah. So why are we all freaking out? All right, be honest. Uh-huh. Did you text your buddy named Steven to, to, to talk, call in with this one? Yeah, that was Jeremy. He went under no, the... No, it was Steven. Yeah, I know. He went under the the pseudonym of, of Steven, but his, his name is Jeremy. No, I... I appreciate the optimism. I don't. Forty wins seems a little, a little optimistic. That's what you need to win, though. That's what you need to get into the playoffs. Uh, Thirty-seven, not quite forty. Oh, because that's better. Oh not yeah, because those three 40. games are definitely those three games are probably the three games you'll lose to the Pirates, the Tigers, and the Royals. You have what fifty-seven games left? Thirty-seven and twenty. That's what you're calling. Yeah, you could yeah. do it. I love Steve- Look, Stephen, I love the optimism, and I'm sorry that I'm super negative, but that that just. 13 of those games are against the Brewers. You got to win like 10 of those. Come on now. So let's let's go through this real quick. No, let's not. <laughs> let's not. If you win 
nine of your next 12 against Kansas City, oh, Atlanta, and on. Pittsburgh, right? Nine of your so next that's 12. nine. You're up to nine wins there. Okay. You got to win two out of three against Milwaukee. Okay. Then you've got three, seven, nine games against Pittsburgh and Detroit. You got to win seven out of nine there. You're up to 18 wins already. All right. That's 18 and 24. Your next 13 games are against Cincinnati, L.A., and Milwaukee. What goes six and seven there? What? That's below 500 that's baseball. Because, I, I mean, they just had a, an unbelievable stretch. Right, I'm, I'm letting you, you put... I'm let, hey, hey let them paint this out. All right, that's Sorry. 24 wins in... in um, What is it? See, we're, we're doing well right here. All that's right, 24 so and 7. The next six games are against New York and San Diego. You got to win four out of six there. Then you've got four against Milwaukee. You got to win three. You've got four against Chicago. Got to win three. You got three against Milwaukee. You got to win two. And then you finish off with uh, three against Chicago. You got to win two of those. How much? How many wins is that, Alex? What are we up two, to now? Four. Oh, quick math. Can you stall for me for a minute? I, I don't can't read my writing. That's 38 wins. Sky just got you falling. to the playoffs. 38 wins is what I just got you to. Okay, let me, right, let, me, let, 40. me let me break this one back down for you, though. Two of three against the Reds? Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen. Why? They could win two out of three against the Reds. Have they won two of three against the Reds yet this season? Yeah, early in the season. It was like, the first series they played. It was the first week of the season, the wasn't it? Week. It's the first week of the season. Yeah, I understand. Two of three, again, or three of four against the Brewers? Mm-hmm. Not going to happen. That ain't going to happen. That, that's what it's going to take. You've got to win those series against the Brewers. Well, that's what I'm saying, and that's why. I, I gave you six out of 13, though. I mean, you, you went six and seven in that one stretch. That's why I'm negative Nancy here, because those are really tough numbers to do against these teams. Frankly, I'm a little concerned of what they need to do against the Pirates and the Tigers. What was that that you had on here? Seven of nine against the Pirates, Dodgers, or, uh, Tigers, and the Royals? Yeah. That's Two of those series needs to be a sweep, BK. Yeah, you got it. What, what do you mean? I mean, that, someone 9-1-0 is Wainwright pitching those 40 games. Yep. Yeah, that'd be... That's how I would get back into this. No, no need to fear. They've got John Lester in, and Jay In Happ. two weeks, in two weeks, two out of Lester, Hap, and Wade LeBlanc will be out of the rotation because you'll have Miles Michaelis and Jack Flaherty back. Feel good about that, right? Sure. If you ain't first, you're last. Thanks, and Ricky the Cardinals Bobby. are going to be in first. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon oh, Kylie. Coming up next, wild card. we're diving into the junk drawer here on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie. So on Friday, Alex and I had a wonderful time. We were out of Westport Social. We got behind the bar a little bit. We played some games. We're both very terrible at ping pong, as everybody here at Hubbard Radio now knows. Horrible. Um, Not surprised. Played basketball. Um, And Alex and I, Alex tried one of my beers. It didn't go well for him. He did not enjoy the IPA. uh, it was, hey, it was urine. Not That's a what big it was. Fan of it was urine. Myself. It was he, disgusting. Alex found out that he's a big Rattler guy. Oh, love me some Rattler, ladies and gentlemen. What is that? 3.2% oh beer. It's the best thing in the world, man. Mango fruit, too. Wait, now that's oh, like drinking so water. Oh, it was so good. No, he, water has 0% alcohol, T Bone. So it's not like drinking 3. water. 3.2 is pretty close. Eh, not really. It's closer than you'd like to think. Delicious. We also learned that Alex Ferrario is the guy that goes to the grocery store. 
while wearing over the ear headphones. So we're talking like the stuff that we wear. Yeah, I'm wearing right now my Beats headphones. Yeah, the, you wear those. Those mm-hmm. are the ones that you wear. These are the ones I wear. Into the grocery store. Yeah, this is what I wear. To, I went grocery shopping yesterday, and frankly, they were on my head. The three stores that I went to. What's what other stores did you go well, to? We, we, so we we three different stores. We go to Costco, we go to Aldi's, and we go to Schnucks because every one of them okay. has a different deal for us. Sure. Yeah. Like that Costco, makes sense. Costco's I, I where we get sure the big stuff. I thought you were talking about you went to like Kohl's and no, you were I don't, shopping for no. some t-shirts. I grocery <laughs> shop. I don't shop shop. That's fair. I'm terrible at that. 65780 is the air comfort service tax line. I got no issues with somebody walking into the grocery store with the earbuds in. Like if you got the the AirPods or just the wireless headphones, whatever. What's the I, difference? No issues whatsoever. It feels a little different. And maybe this is a me thing. And I'm totally open to that possibility. It feels like it's a little different to me if you've got the over-the-ear headphones. That feels like a don't bleep with me type of a statement that you're making. Wouldn't the AirPods say the same thing? No, because yeah, those are be discreet. On the phone. And they're be discreet. On, like, you could be on the phone something. with this. What? This, these are Bluetooth. Yeah, but nobody does it. What are you talking about? I do it all the time. Sorry I'm not rich and I'd can say, afford I, AirPods like you guys. I've taken phone calls that I've never had, like... Because mine have the same thing. My, or I have a pair of headphones just like that where they have the well, thing where you first, can talk. First of all, I never take... <laughs> I don't wear them on a phone call. First of all, I never take phone calls on Bluetooth because that is like the most jerk move you can do out in public because people don't know if you're talking oh, to them yeah. or like, like just just hold the phone in your hand. Totally different than wearing headphones into a grocery <laughs> store. Yeah, but look, I, I just, for me, when I go grocery shop, first of all, I hate grocery shopping. I despise it. Like I told my wife the other day, if really? I ever, oh yeah, I told her if I ever commit a murder, it would probably be oh, in a grocery store. I don't think you could say that on the radio, no. man. Well, we all know I wouldn't. But look, this is the problem. Nobody knows at a grocery store the process of walking in one lane or the other. You know what helps? If you can communicate with them without headphones on, you can yeah, say, excuse me. That helps because then they're like, oh, thanks for being so kind and telling me to stay on the right side of the grocery store. But nobody walks. So I go in, I got to get my stuff done, and then I leave. And the only way for me to do that is to put headphones on because otherwise people will think that you work there or ask you questions. No, I'm not about that. I'm going to go get my stuff. I'm going to go to the checkout and I'm going to leave every time. Plus, it makes grocery shopping a little bit more fun when you can listen to a podcast. Yeah, I again, I have no issues with going to a grocery store, whether you're listening to music, podcast, whatever. Hopefully you're listening to 101 ESPN. And you've got it on the app, the free mobile app on your iPhone. It's great. You can win prizes on there if you listen. It's the way to do it. I highly recommend it. But I would recommend going with some earbuds. I don't understand do what not, the difference is, Do you is, have though? earbuds? No, these are what I have. I bought these headphones because they work for when I work out. Hey, I know. And they you. work. When's your birthday? Yeah. I'm not going to tell you. It's in August. It is in August. How did you know that? Because I think I've heard you say that before, and I bet if I checked the uh, company newsletter, it's well, in there. of course it would be there. It's the 29th this Tanner. month. Tanner. Let's mine's, go in on some earbuds. Oh, I have okay. earbuds. Yeah. I just never I use you them. Said you don't have them. I don't yeah, use I them. You just said. My wife uses them. I don't use them. These are what I bought. Let's go on AirPods to help him out. I Get feel like we should. Uh, no, I can't afford that, man. Yeah, like, Where are you getting all this money from? You can buy me them all you want. I'm not going to wear them. These are what I wear. I don't understand what the difference is between wearing headphones that are over the head or just wearing AirPods. They're the same thing. It. Oh, if he's not going to wear them, I'm not going to give them. <laughs> That's it's, fair. It's the same thing. You're still plugging your ears so you don't have to speak to somebody. No, no, no. You're covering your ears. It's easier for me to do this it. than it would be to pull a freaking AirPod out. See, I what? disagree. I disagree. Yeah, you wait, hold on. Let's if you, just, if someone's what gonna, you just did took two hands to take no, them off. One it hand. takes one. If someone's going to talk to me, I'm going to push it with one finger. What's that? And then I'm going to push it right back because I don't want to talk. Plain yeah. and simple. 
Again, maybe I'm wrong on this, and that's perfectly acceptable. Uh, 65780 is your comfort service tax line. If you think that I'm just being totally ignorant on all of this, which is probably no, the case. Someone agrees over the ear headphones at the store is weird. It just feels a little bleep you ish. Well, it is. I'm, <laughs> frankly, that's why I'm wearing it. I don't okay. want to speak so, to anybody. We, we got to the bottom of look, this. Alex t- just doesn't care. Look, there are times where I will walk around without headphones on, but there are also times when I have to get stuff done. You're totally the guy that walks around and sings while you're at the store. No, God, Because you no. can't hear He's anything behind you. Musical. Yeah, hey, we've got this. Probably. So, so like, you're like jamming to Hamilton. You're singing along No, here's the thing. I'm shopping. obsessed with some Disney it's music now because Adelaide's starting to watch more movies. Like oh, I know the Moana soundtrack to a T right now. Sit, no, I don't sing. I just told you that I won't answer the phone on a Bluetooth. Why would I sing at a store? So somebody on the That's text the line, bleep you. Six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service text line from the six three six asking about our uh, experience over at Westport Social. First off, Alex Radler is the best. Boom. Big question for you: Did BK actually get a point in ping pong? I think we were. We did not keep score because we were both terrible. Oh, yeah, we were awful. I think we were roughly a equivalent on that. Like, I would say we were even negative to negative because we yeah. couldn't even keep the thing up for more than a couple of swats back and forth. We did have a great game of shuffleboard though. Shuffleboard's my my go-to and BK made me a little frustrated. Alex won game one. He doubled or nothing. We went to game two. I came up with a big victory. We went to game three. The final and deciding victory yeah, went to your guy. Yeah. Went to your guy BK over here. Yeah. And no you boys are lucky I wasn't there. Here's the thing, man. There's just something about me that you guys don't know. I'm very competitive, and if I'm in a game <laughs> and I get angry, I lose all control, and I, I'm not good at sports after that. Yeah. I. Uh, so I when the kid talked trash in right field during our home run derby, it was game over for me. This may come as a surprise to you, but we left immediately after that third game. Yeah. <laughs> BK, I went to the bathroom no after I lost to BK, and I came back out. I sat down, and BK is like, I got to go. And I'm like, probably <laughs> smart, because we, you and I would not have a lot of conversation after this. Felt like the felt like the right move there. Felt like the right move. All right. With Alex Ferrario, Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie Coming up in 15 minutes or so, we'll get into a game of in or out. 65780 is I like couple. to wear my Iron Man helmet to the grocery store. That's a big F you to everybody. <laughs> Play game of it or out in 15 minutes. Coming up next, though, uh, what does the arbitration situation with Zach Sanford mean for his future here in St. Louis? It might mean a little bit more than you probably are led on to believe. We'll talk about it next. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Ferrario, Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie. So I asked Alex to do a little bit of homework. And coming up here in just about 15 minutes or so, we'll get into a game of in or out, including one of the greatest voicemails you'll ever hear that was just sent to us. Uh, we'll play that for you. I've got an in or out question on that here in about 10 minutes or so. But right now, Alex, last night I asked you, okay, so there's this news that Zach Sanford's going to take the Blues to arbitration. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we talked about Joel Edmondson, you had mentioned that part of that story was he took the Blues to arbitration. And ever since then, you kind of assumed Joel Edmondson wasn't for long here in St. Louis. So I wanted you to look into, okay, what does this mean for Zach Sanford's future if he also is taking the Blues to arbitration? What did you find out when looking into this? I'd love to give it to you, but my dog ate my homework. Because okay. That well, didn't work. Okay. I hate it when that I happens. Know. <laughs> so since I don't even have a dog, but it happened a lot. <laughs> so since 2008, um, which is as far as I could go back with the, sal- the the arbitration with the Blues. And I'm trying to check. Doug Armstrong took over in 2008. So technically, since Doug sure Armstrong yeah. has been uh, general manager for the Blues, the Blues have had 18 arbitration cases. 
And of those 18, 15 of them were resolved before arbitration was asked for, which means the player and the team would come to a resolution before it goes to arbitration. Three times has it happened where a player went to arbitration with Doug Armstrong. Back in 2014, Vladimir Sabotka. And Vladimir Sabotka won it, was with the Blues, but remember, he went to the KHL and basically he was Blues property until he came back three years later. He played for him for two years and he gets traded to Buffalo. That was kind of the anomaly, but again, he went to the KHL, so it was his decision after he won that case. 2019, Joel Edmondson traded in the offseason for Justin Falk to Carolina, and then now with Zach Sanford. So three times a player has gone to arbitration with Doug Armstrong, and three times that player, well, well two times two so far. Two times that player has been traded away. Do you think Zach Sanford's going to be a blue this year? I'm about 90% sure he won't. And I, I do think it's because he's gone to arbitration. And frankly, if you look at the other guys, now Thomas is not arbitration eligible, if I'm not mistaken, nor is Jordan Cairo because he's coming off that entry-level contract. But Ivan Barbashev was arbitration eligible. And he avoided it. He avoided it. He came to a contract resolution with the Blues. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Dakota Joshua was arbitration eligible as well. I might be wrong on that one. Either way, he also agreed to terms over the weekend as well. I'm just looking at what has happened in the past with Doug Armstrong and what has happened with the guys this offseason. And, of course, maybe they do keep Zach Sanford because... Like it or not, he's going to he could be a piece for this team. Play the penalty kill, play the fourth line. He's still a goal scorer, had 18 goals for them last season. But I would opt on the I would lean on the side if Sanford might be a part of a trade now because he's going to arbitration. Because I just the writing has been in the past that Doug Armstrong doesn't like going to arbitration with players. So the reason that I ask this is because I think Sanford's future has a lot to do with what the third line looks like this year. And Chris Kerber, the voice of the blues, was on with the morning show earlier today. They asked him, hey, you know, we feel like we kind of know what the top six is going to look like in one way or another. What do you think the bottom six looks like right now? Here's what Chris Kerber said to that. Sunquist, uh, if healthy and ready to go, is in, in the middle. Barbashev is on the other side and uh, with, with Clem Costin. And, and Clem, Clem is one of those interesting guys that could he climb himself up in the lineup? We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But I think it shakes out that way pretty well. Or if they do re-sign Sanford, Sanford could go in there. So he has his top six as being a little different than we do. His top six has Ryan O'Reilly as the center, of course, with David Perron. And then on the left wing, you would have Brandon Saad. On the second line, he would have Robert Thomas centering Braden Shin and uh, Buchnevich, who he would have on the right wing. And then his third line would then have Oscar Sundquist with Costin uh, and Cairo, I believe, was the other one well, that he, he had there. Yeah, because well, I, I didn't hear him say Cairo. He said... Sanford would be there. So switch out Sanford for Kyrou. Yeah, uh, he might have forgotten about Kyrou, to be honest, but (laughs) I I don't know. Maybe maybe that's really what he looks like. I just don't agree with that. I I think that it's interesting right now as you're looking at that third line and you're looking at how, how things are constructed in general. I think you're missing one guy that I would feel confident in, whether it be on that third line or in general, and preferably as a left winger. I think that if I'm look moving forward now, Alex, looking at the forward lines in particular, I would really like them to add one more guy on the left side, whether that comes back via trade in the Vladimir Tarasenko situation, or if that is somebody that comes in on a cheap, like $1 million veteran deal guy that's maybe a little over the over the hill, but could come in and battle for a spot in that lineup with Clem Costin. Maybe Clem Costin is going to be great, and this will be a moot point. 
I just don't know yet. And I don't want to go into the season for a team that is so ready to once again get into contention. I don't want to go into a year completely relying on Clem Costin kind of clicking this year and being a, a true asset in, on that third line. So let me throw this at you then, because this is where I'm at, and this is why I, I disagree with it. I, okay. I have Bucinavich on the top line on the left with Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron. I know people are saying that he's going to play the right side, but as Darren Pang told us last week, he's going to start on the left side, and if he doesn't look like he matches there well, then they'll shift. That's where I'm starting it. I'm having Saad on the wing with Shen and Cairo. Look, I don't understand why people keep trying to push Braden Shen to the wing. I know you want Thomas to have a bigger role. Shen does not perform the way he does on the wing when he does at center. If you want to be a competitive team in the central division, Shen has to be your second centerman. Then I'm putting Robert Thomas on the third center. And look, I'm going to tell him, you have a chance to be a second line center, but you got to outplay Braden Shen. Go out there, try and dominate on the left side. I would have either Oscar Sundquist or Ivan Barbashev. And then on the right side, I would either put a Klim Kost in there, or frankly, I would put a Tyler Bozak there. Maybe Tyler Bozak comes back. And if Maybe, Bozak's see, back. See, that would be the type of guy that I'm talking about where I kind of would like to see one more veteran, whether it's Bozak or somebody similar skill set yeah. wise. That's kind of what I feel like they're missing right now I is that veteran presence. I don't mind Acosta on that line. The only hesitancy for me is the fact that it's a little defensive deficient. So if you take. If you put Thomas in the middle and then you have Barbashev or Sundquist, I like that defensive mindset, but you just have a lot of youth there, and I think you have a veteran presence. If Bozak's back, I'm putting him on the line with Thomas. But if not, I'll give Kostin a shot. And then my fourth line is either Sundquist or Barbashev, whoever's not playing on the third line. You'll put Dakota Joshua in the middle, and then you'll put Kyle Clifford on the wing. I feel a lot better about that line with or without Bozak because I know that my top two lines are set. I don't know what that second line is going to provide if I have Braden Shen on the wing. So we've talked a lot about hockey trades, right? Yeah. We brought up, we started this segment talking about Zach Sanford. That's your hockey trade. Let's find somebody for the Blues that can come into his salary slot that we had been kind of counting on in the offseason that can be a 10 to 15 goal scorer, but do it a little differently than the way that Zach Sanford does. Okay. Maybe there's another team out there that they are looking for somebody that a change of scenery would make sense for them. And they've got somebody on their team that could use a change of scenery as well. Okay, That's on. the kind of thing that I think the blues should be looking for right now. And my your homework line, assignment is due. My third line is I'm just going to write somebody on the line. <laughs> just put somebody there. It makes sense, right? Well, you know who that player is. Uh, actually, let me ask you because you don't bring up somebody without having a, a name in mind. I really don't. You know? I, I, okay. I know. I, I so it's something that I should probably look at tonight. But I have not come up with a specific name that would make sense for the Blues. But Wait. a player in that two-ish million dollar range that could come in, swap salaries one for one. So it's not like it changes anything on your cap sheet for the Blues. And that team that you're trading Sanford, Sanford to Sanford. Sanford, huh? Sanford, too, ends up getting a player that could really use a change of scenery right now, and maybe things click for him somewhere else. Maybe not, but maybe. And the Blues would be getting a guy that can come help them in, in a similar regard. Can I give you one? And then you've got somebody that can compete with Clem Costin, because I would like to see him compete for that spot. Can I give you one? Sure. Josh Bailey from the Islanders. You're two, it's $2 million that you're talking about. $5 million or 5 and a half, I believe, for the 7 and a half that Vladimir makes. Now, it's a little bit longer term on Josh Bailey, so you're going to have a couple more years after Vladdy would have been a UFA. So maybe it's Vladdy and 
Sanford. Maybe, but this is a guy who, in my opinion, look, he's 31 years old. He's six foot one. He's 200 pounds. He's never been a 20 goal scorer. So it's not like he's going to break the bank for what he's done, but he has gotten 50 points in a season. He's gotten 70 points in a season. He is a Sanford with a little bit more upside offensively. And he's got a little veteran presence there. You put him on a third line with a Robert Thomas and a Barbashev or a Sunquist, you feel a lot better about the situation you're in right there. So that would be a name that I would say, okay, well, if the Blues can pull off a deal with the Islanders, maybe they acquire a Joshua Bailey to be a third-line winger for them on top of saving $2 million in the cap situation. I like that. That, that That's exactly the type of thing that I would be looking for. I didn't even do research on that, boys. It, it's more money than what I would probably be looking for if it was a hockey trade straight up for Zach Sanford, but this would have to be something that includes uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, of course. Yeah, it, it makes a decent you amount could of have James Neal in there, too. I remember James Neal was my Ferrario 5 last week. If you're going to invest in that, I think all of that comes about, though, with the Vladimir Tarasenko trade, because if you don't get anything in return of Vladimir other than just some salary cap relief, then you go out there and try and find that third line. But, I mean, let's live in a realistic world here. If Vladdy starts the team with the Blues, well, now he's, he's on, on your third, third line. line. with Because I truly believe what they'll do to Vladdy is say, guess what? You're here. You're not playing in the top six. You're on the third line. And you need to perform. Yeah, I just still, I refuse to believe that he's going to be hey, here. Man, I do one. too. I keep telling people that, but there's a realistic possibility that if nobody wants to acquire him, that he is here for a season. And if that's the case, he's playing on the third line for Earlier him. today, we talked about the conditional pick as a possibility for Vladdy. That could also be a possibility for, for a guy like Zach Sanford. Maybe it's something where you trade him to a team and you're just looking for that cap relief. They give you a conditional third, fourth round pick yeah. can become a second, depending on how he does this year. Something like that makes a lot yeah, of sense. And I, I don't would, know if you'd even be able to get that much for Sanford, Sanford, but something like I that. I think he would have to be a part of a package with Vladdy if you're going to move him and you won't Maybe. move him until the, the arbitration settles. So a team knows how much he's getting in that sense with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks. And I'm Brandon Kylie in 15 minutes or so. The Cardinals made it pretty clear this morning when John Mosellock was on with the morning show, they've got a huge decision coming with their catching situation. I know we knew that, but it felt more real when I heard it from John Mosellock. We'll talk about that in 15 minutes. Coming up next, one of the best voicemails we've ever received here on this show. We'll play that for you and a game of in or out next on 101 ESPN. Pick up the go! This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. You paused there. I remembered this time. I almost went for it, but I remembered. 65780 is the air comfort service text line for in or out. I know people in the cars doing that. That's singing too. Coming up in about 10 minutes or so, the big decision that the Cardinals have to make in the offseason is starting to feel more real. But right now, all right, so I just got a voicemail. Congrats, I guess. I didn't know people left voicemails in 2021. But we got voicemails. Do you? Yeah. He also walked around for somebody other than like your on. vet or your doctor, like you, you just your friends. Your you leave vet, you yeah. leave voicemails for your vet. I mean, if you get a oh, call me, from them, my wife and, and I will them. leave voicemails for our, each other if we don't answer. You know, just send each other texts. Well, no. Oh, uh, sometimes I like to hear her voice. In or out, you leave you That's leave okay. voicemails still, Tanner. Oh, I'm out. Okay. They don't answer. Maybe, I don't, maybe, oh, well, you, don't I t- maybe yeah. you two don't know what real love is. Sometimes <laughs> I like to hear my wife's voice in the middle of the night. Yeah, Tanner can't relate. Dude, don't bring well, it up. Yeah, it's a sore subject. Well, your grandma doesn't leave you a voicemail? No. Not even like, hey, she you don't know what a yellow book pages are? <laughs> <She's> just... <laughs> um, all right. In or out, this voicemail, 
doesn't realize which show he's leaving the voicemail for. Oh, my God, please. Yeah, I'm listening to your station, uh, the radio show that's on right now with Brandon Kylie. Sounds like a bunch of guys playing in the sandbox. <laughs> is is there name. a reason why you guys do not, especially on that show, say a single word about the University of Missouri? Come is, on! Is there a reason why you don't recognize that there's one Division One school in the state that's got a pretty good coach right now and a lot of things going on? With talking the about, isn't there, isn't there two Division One schools? in all college sports and it's Slew. getting better. Is there a reason why you guys want to talk about the Cardinals third backup second baseman or who's going to be, uh, you know, get, handing out water bottles for the Blues? Can you just say something about the University of Missouri on the show? Just anything. To replay. Uh, I'd like to replay. Can't, Please. Here, I'll answer the Missouri question. They're going to be like third in the SEC I West. Say, I can ask a great question. In the East, man. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, actually, the color yeah. is a good point. Okay, now it makes sense. I write about Missouri. Hey, I've <laughs> never, I've never started a conversation about who the third line catcher is for the Cardinals or who's going to be bringing water bottles for the Blues. That's, That's Sanchez me. guy. That's my thing. No, you're not allowed. You're a Nashville Predators fan. True. <laughs> Jerk. Are you serious with the we don't talk Missouri? Guys, I write for Rock M Nation. I record a podcast on Mizzou every week. Like, I like talking about Mizzou. You got to remember that we're in St. Louis where the big story is the Cardinals and the Blues. <laughs> I tell you what, if you want more Mizzou questions, then text us at 65780 during questions and answers. Because if there's a question, we'd love to talk about it. Yeah, if you guys want more Mizzou content, we're playing a game called In or Out. Yeah, In or Out. some Mizzou content in there. If or you want to ask questions. Illinois questions. We got that, too. Well, we no, probably we don't, won't we incorporate don't those. those. Wow. Also, isn't there another Division One school in the state of Missouri? Come on now. SEMO. not just going to... Slew. Slew. Oh. <laughs> Univers- or the uh, College of Pharmacy. CMOS Division One. College two. of Pharmacy. <laughs> Southeastern Missouri State. Look it up. Yeah, it I, count. I would love to talk more Mizzou. Unfortunately, the realities of how radio works. When we talk Mizzou, half of you guys tune out because you're Me either too. a Slew or an Illinois fan. So... That's, unfortunately, that's kind of how it Tell works. Tell you what, when talking, football season starts up and Eli Drinkwitz starts running the table, yeah. you'll hear Mizzou conversations every day of the week. When Illinois Mizzou wins the Big Ten, basketball, we'll be there. Once basketball season oh, comes yeah, around, sorry, we'll be talking about what is there, what is there to talk about right now other than a couple of, like, recruits? Oh, so the recruiting's going well for Mizzou. But the we've talked team, about that. Football team looks like it's going to be good. They're Eli Drinkwitz is great. Uh, I guess the big question is what's going to happen with the AD, and we don't know. We talked about that. We talked about it last week. I'll give you your Mizzou AD search. Shrug emoji. We don't know. Does Mizzou have a chance to win the spelling bee this year? I can't can't speak to that. Can't speak to that. Is that a spelling bee team? All right, let's get into some in or out. In or out, Alex Reyes is in the Cardinals rotation next season. I know this seems like something that we have to talk about almost every week. But well, I feel like Mizzou every week it too, goes but. into a new direction. Yeah. Boy, the walk's making me a little bit more concerned with him. And at least he can get through those innings. I don't know if he'd be able to do. Like, I worry that it's more of a John Gant situation. I know he's not. Or he's much better than John Gant. But, like, all of the walks in a long game. Like, you wonder if that's a problem. I would say I'm in on it right now. Because unless you're going to sign a free agent, which I don't know how marketable there are guys on the market this upcoming season. I think he's going to be a part of it unless it kind of falls apart in spring training. So I'll say I'm in. I think I'm in for now, too, because I, I his stuff is so good. I have to see what it looks like for six innings. Now, granted, 
the walks are a big concern moving forward. But if he struggles with that, then you can put him back in the bullpen, move him back to the late inning role. Right now, I do want to see what Altreas looks like as a starter. So I'm in. Yeah, I'm in as well. You guys know I'm in. Um, I think that he deserves a chance to fail in the rotation. If he fails, then you move him back to the bullpen. And we now know he can be a dynamite reliever. Worst case scenario, you have one of the best relievers in the sport. It's a valuable commodity. Best case scenario, he's a legit number one or number two starter in your rotation. And you've got a one, two, three combination of young studs. Potentially, if Dakota Hudson's healthy with Flaherty, Hudson, and uh, Reyes going into the next season. Well, that's pretty nice. That's a nice problem to have. So, yeah, I would give him his shot, and we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, he's at least worthy of giving a chance. Next one up, 65780 is your comfort service sex line. Guys, in or out, Harrison Bader will hit 20 home runs in a season at some point in his career. Hmm. I think I'm going to say in. I, I think he could run into 20 home runs for a year. He has nine this year in 45 games. Yeah, so uh, he's got the power because he does a very good job. Of when, when there's a mistake made, he can make you pay for it. So I, I think Bader could get to 20 home runs. Now, he's not going to do it consistently, but for one year, get to 20, sure. I, I think he could, so I'll say in. I'm going to be out on this because I think he can get really close to it. I just don't know if he can get to 20. He seems to me like a guy who can hit 15 on a regular basis, on a good year, get to 20, but I don't know if he's going to hit that mark exactly. So I'll say I'm out. I think he gets close. Can he be a 2020 guy? Well, you know, he can be the 20 stolen bases. He hasn't done it yet. His career high is 15, but he's he's also a, never he doesn't run a lot for a guy. With well, that that's speed. the thing too. You got to think of Mike Schilt's club and he doesn't like to take those chances on the base paths, even if it is Harrison Bader running. I think he can be a 15-15 guy. Oh, hundred um, percent. I'll be very curious to see if he's got that in him. I want to see him run a little more often. That is something I would like to see, Tanner, to your point. I'm going to say out because I think at his best, I agree with Alex. He's more of a 15 home run guy that's hitting more doubles. I would love to see the doubles continue to increase. That's the thing that with his speed, he should be hitting doubles consistently, hitting hitting liners into the gaps. That's where he plays. So I'll say out on 20 home runs in any given season, but I think he might have a 15-15 season in him, which would be pretty darn impressive to see from a guy that we all agree is real value comes in what he does defensively. And I know a lot of people are saying, oh, he hit in power for college, but that was a problem for Harrison Bader, and I think he's changed that approach. He's not trying to be a power hitter anymore. He's trying to be more of a contact. Yeah, and that's where he's been effective. I mean, look, since he's returned, he's been one of the best Cardinals hitters on this team, but it's because of that approach change. Yes, he's hit home runs, but he's also going for more contact. 65780 is the air comfort service text line for in or out guys in or out the Cardinals will win the division next year. I'm going to say out. Yeah. In. Yeah, I think I'm going to be be good next year. I think I'm going to be in on this because I I really believe and Maybe I'm just drinking the Mo Kool-Aid here, but I really believe they're going to make up. Yeah, it does. It's really good. I think they're going to make a run for one of these free agents because I I believe they see this Cardinals team and they know where they are short and it's at shortstop. Like, and I think they look at that and they say, okay, we need to upgrade. Where can we upgrade? We got the money. Let's do it. I'm I'm just out because I'm, I'll believe it when I see it. I don't think they make a big move for one of the shortstops. Now, I do think they'll spend most of that $60 million coming off the books. I'm just not quite sure where they're going to do it. I think they're going to look more at second base because that market's probably going to be a little bit more uh, favorable for them. I think they have to add a starter. They got to find some bench bats. They got to add to that bullpen, in my opinion. Uh, so I, 
I think they're going to make the moves. It's just I look at Milwaukee and I see what pieces they still have, and I think they're going to be really good next year. You're going to have the three starters pitching again. You're going to have Hader there. I don't know if it, I think Eduardo Escobar is a free agent. They'll have Willie Adamas, I believe. You're still going to have Yelich on his deal, and a couple of their pieces still. Colton Wong will be back next year. They're kind of sticking together. They're going to have a couple pieces they're going to have to do. The Cardinals have pieces that they need to upgrade, which they can do. I just want to see it before I buy in. So right now I'm going to say out. Uh, next one up, in or out, guys. We don't talk a lot of NBA on this show, but apparently we need to uh, expand you don't talk our Mizzou horizons. Either. <laughs> so in or out, Russell Westbrook was the missing piece that the Lakers needed to get through the regular season. And next year, they will once again make it to the NBA Finals. Out. Dumbest move ever by the Lakers. Wow. Whoa. Last <laughs> take. Whew. They have three guys that are like 90% of their salary. That's fine. Hi, man. They have four They're guys on the ro- or six guys on the roster right now. LeBron can't play an entire season because he needs, you know, mandated days off. True. Westbrook gets pissed off halfway through the season and wants to be traded away. And Anthony Davis couldn't stay healthy this year. Who's playing off the bench for you? Don't don't Mark Gasol. Oh, Jesus. Mark better Gasol. off getting Pau Gasol out there. <laughs> um, no, I'm out on this. I I. It's a good move in a playoff scenario if you're healthy. Alex Caruso, he's back. He's back next year. Caruso. I feel bad for the guy. He's balding. Yeah. He's a good player. He's a great player. He's a good player. balding, though. Um, I, I heard that they're going to try and make a push for Carmelo Anthony. Frankly, it seems really? like yeah. <laughs> see, frankly, it seems like what they're doing, the Cardinals did with the rotation. They're just going with a lot of grizzled vets to see if they can make a push for it. So I think it helps in a playoff series because you got three of the best in the game. But I also don't think you're going to make the playoffs with a roster with six guys. on. I, I think I'm out, too, just because of the fact of the matter that I, I think Schroeder, though, he's probably not as athletic and has great yeah, ability of Westbrook. Move him. Schroeder is a more all-around player at this point, in my opinion, than Westbrook. Westbrook's starting to hit that downturn. He's not shooting the ball from the field as well. I, I don't think he helps. I'm with you. Didn't Schroeder want out? Uh, I thought he made some weird stuff season. at the end of the yeah. year. Yeah, so, he's going to make a lot of money. Yeah, he's going to be a free agent. So I, I think it does. he's not the missing piece. They still got a lot of work to do. I think I would have rather, not it either. I think I would have rather waited and spent money on another point guard that's not going to cost you that much who can be a little bit more effective than that. I like the idea of them getting Buddy healed. Just add yeah. shooting to the too. team. Because yeah, LeBron's the point guard. They've lacked shooting really for most of the LeBron's been yeah. there. In the bubble, they had some, but even Ra- then. Rajon Rondo became the best shooter in the world for a month. Yeah. That they won an worked. NBA championship with him. Absolutely. I actually am going to disagree with you on this, Alex. I think that... Oh, you're going to disagree with me for a LeBron James team? <laughs> yeah, surprise, surprise. Yikes. I think Russell Westbrook is exactly what they needed what a for diva? the regular season. I oh. do not think this helps them at all in the playoffs. That, I think it makes them worse in the playoffs. Wouldn't that include the missing piece? Correct. I, well, I think he's the missing piece for the regular season. I do not think that this team is going to be able to take that next step in the postseason because in the regular season, nobody plays harder than Russell Westbrook. Can, can I nobody. tell you what I think this is going to end up being? I think this is going to look like the IT move we saw when, what was it, a couple years ago when LeBron was in Cleveland. Yeah, Isaiah they made, Thomas. Yeah, they acquired Isaiah Thomas. That's the way I kind of yeah. see this going. Isaiah They're going to experiment it. It's not going to go well. Next thing you know, Westbrook's going to be dealt. Isaiah Thomas is not warranted a nickname of IT. <laughs> um, one good year. The thing about Westbrook is he's going to play every game. He's going to get you 20 points in every game. And he's going to play his ass off in every game. That's really, that's really helpful in a regular season to be able to get through, especially when you have LeBron James, who, as you said, is going to miss 10 to 15 games with load management. Same thing for Anthony Davis. You're going to need somebody that can carry the load and while he definitely is not a perfect player, Russell Wilson can do or Russell Russell Westbrook can do that. So can Russell Wilson. 
I think it's going to be problematic in the postseason when he's trying to take over games and you have LeBron James, who is always in command of the ball. That's not going to go well because Russell Westbrook is not interested in doing anything when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. That's going to be an issue. I'll so I think if they got better for the regular season and they can hopefully avoid the play-in tournament this year, but they they don't look like an NBA Finals team as currently. I, I was stunned that LeBron kind of signed off on this one. If He's I'm boys. being them. Yeah, they're best friends. That's why they're you boys. got it. Well, trying to build a right. super team, but unfortunately, it's not a super team if the one's not a superstar. Last one for you guys. In or out, BK and Ferrario are going to talk more about their Labor Day weekend plans compared to Mizzou football. We yeah. probably will because we're going on my bachelor party over Labor Day weekend. That's very true. Yeah, I would say I'm Alex gonna is going to be drinking so many Rattlers. <laughs> Hey, I'll be the most sober one at your bachelor party. That's true. That's true. Coming up next, the Cardinals have some big time decisions looming. They felt a little more real this morning. We'll talk about it coming up here on 101 ESPN. Who's going to be, you know, handing out water bottles for the Blues? This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie. We'll get to the crossover here in just about 10 minutes or so. But right now, the Cardinals have some big decisions looming this offseason. You knew that, but specifically, where are they? Well, it starts at the catcher position. And Alex, John Mosellock was on with Carriker and Smallman earlier today. They asked him about Yadier Molina's future and the importance of getting their younger guys, whether it be Yvonne Herrera or Andrew Kisner, some opportunities down the stretch. Here's what John Mosellock had to say. You know, when you look at our minor league system right now with somebody like Herrera, you know, he's probably ultimately the long-term future of this organization. But in the meantime, you still want to be giving opportunities. And, and when you're someone like Andrew Kisner, at some point, are you better off maybe being back in Memphis playing every day or are you better off riding the bench? I thought that was interesting. Uh, first of all, that he would say publicly and without a whole lot of questions about it, Hey, our future is not Andrew Kisner. It's Yvonne Herrera. Okay. That's, we all knew that, though. I agree, but it, I, it's the first time that I've heard him put it so plainly publicly, I think, uh, like that. The other thing was the notion that Andrew Kisner might be better served down in AAA. Found that to be interesting as well. And if you continued listening to their interview today, if you read between the lines, it made me wonder, because he, he talked, as they do every year, about how they want to get their younger guys some more opportunities and how, with Yachty, that is very difficult. It made me wonder if the Cardinals are nearing the end of the Yachty or Molina-St. Louis Cardinals relationship. And I do wonder how much of that is about his production as well. Yachty was awesome to start off this season, and then he got hurt. And he hasn't been the same guy basically since, at least offensively. Since coming off of the injured list in May, he's batting 235. In this stretch, he has a 590 OPS. He has one extra base hit in his last 85 at bats. Yadier Molina is a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best to ever do it. He now just passed Albert Pujols in terms of uh, hits in a Cardinals career. He's an outstanding player whose legacy is completely secured. I think this might be it, Alex. I think this might be the year that the Cardinals decide, you know what, whether it's by their decision, Yachty's decision, whatever the future holds for him, I think they might be looking towards the future and saying, are we better served in 2022 with Yachty behind the plate where he's going to play 75% of the games that he's healthy for, or 
by moving forward with some other options. And I'm not going to be stunned this time around if they go with the, the latter option. The problem is I don't know what those other options are because let me follow up your question with another question. Do you feel comfortable, guys, if I were to say Andrew Kisner is your starting catcher next year? Every game, it's going to be him. I don't think that they would go that route. I think it would be like 50-50 timeshare with somebody. Because Yvonne Herrera is not going to be up. He's 21 years old. He's having a good season down in Springfield, but he's not having a great season. Mm-hmm. So he's going to probably be Memphis-bound next year, he's and he'll be like there. 2023. If you look at, at the him. market for catchers, I don't know if there's guys that make a lot of sense for what the money would be. Now, I don't know what Yachty would command next year at 40 years old. Maybe it's a little less than 9 mil. Maybe it's around 9 mil. But, I mean, if you look at the other names, Travis Darno, okay. I mean, it doesn't make me excited. Jan Gomes doesn't make me excited. There's not names on the market that you look at and you say, okay, that's a catcher that I can get on board with, mostly because of how familiar Yachty is with the pitching staff, and I think that's the important part of it all. But I agree. His defense has dropped off a little bit in terms of balls that have gotten past him. His offense has dropped off a little bit. Is there? And maybe it is connected with the injury that took place earlier, and we know Yachty's a gamer and he fights his way back even if he's not 100%. I just don't know if you're talking 2022, if there's a catcher on the free agent market that makes you feel like, oh yeah, you're better prepared to make a run with this player over Yachty. I think it's more to the sense of Yachty becomes an eight-hole hitter for you. And you're not relying on him as offensively as you are now because he's hitting in the six hole. But I think he determines that. And I think that that's part of this conversation is Yachty kind of decides, and he's earned this right. He decides when he plays and when he does play, he hits fifth or sixth in the lineup. And you, you don't drop him. And this is despite the fact that, again, offensively, if you're just looking at the production, he has not been the same producer since coming back from the injured list. He opted out of the all-star game this year. He didn't do that for no reason. It's clear that this thing's probably still affecting him in some way or another, and that's uh, leading to this drop in terms of the overall results. And somebody on the text line said, hey, guys, you just had a really good uh, productive weekend. Absolutely. It's fine. He'll do that from time to time. Mm -hmm. But overall, in in this longer sample size, it it just hasn't been the same offensively. You mentioned Jan Gomes and uh, Travis Darno. Those guys would be right now. uh, Well, it's been a weird year for Darno, too, but... Jan Gomes, for example, would be an upgrade currently over what you're getting offensively from Yadier Molina. Darno, when healthy, is typically a little bit of an upgrade over what you're getting right now offensively from Yadi. You will take a step back defensively. You won't have the same game caller behind the plate. I think the question becomes for the Cardinals, what is the value of having Yadi behind the plate defensively and with his game calling experience versus what they could potentially acquire by going and getting maybe a better uh, hitter at that position that would split time 50-50 with Kisner? I think that makes it more of a glaring hole at the other offensive spots. I think you need to have Yadi understand that it's like, hey, you might need to be a little bit lower in our batting order because we need to go get a big shortstop who can play and give us some more at-bats. There's names out there, but I don't know. I feel like Yachty is your better option in terms of understanding your pitching staff at the age of 40 more than you're worried about his offense helping your team. And I'm with you there. And the thing is, if you're going to bring him back, you have to have that honest conversation of 
You're going to have to hit 7th, 8th, or ninth because with the DH coming in into the league next year. You're probably ninth, pl- frankly. Yeah, and you, and you probably need to hit. You need, probably need to play less. I know you want to be out there every day, but yeah. it's more beneficial for you. And on your point on the defense, we've seen he's still throwing out guys at, at yeah. second. At a very, still got an his arm. Average, uh, his career average, so that's good. But I'm with you. It does feel like there's been a little more couple pass balls. Now, granted, some of that's probably some of the pitching because it's been wild. But I, <laughs> it I, is. I, think part, I think part of that, too, is because he's tired. There are, ga- there are times where... If it's a close game, you can tell he's kind of more in and giving that last effort to make sure he blocks that ball. I think on some of them that we're seeing like in that fifth, sixth inning, it's more of him trying to conserve energy, whether it be for later in the game or for later in this postseason push that the Cardinals are going to be making. I think it's more of he's just kind of tired, kind of a little beat up, as you mentioned, him missing the All-Star break. That's why the honest conversation has to be had, and we hear it every year for the last three, four years, well, we're going to cut down on playing this time. time they haven't done real, it, though. and it has to be real. Yeah, but Yachty keeps himself in good shape. I don't know. I feel like if 2022 is a year you seriously are trying to make a push with these players, I just feel like Yachty is the better option for you. And look, if you upgrade offensively, it's not even a conversation you have to have with him. Yachty knows that it's like, look, if you got a Corey Seager in the middle of this lineup and guys are dropping down, Yachty's batting where he's batting because other guys aren't performing, and we know Yachty can hit in the clutch. I don't know, man. I... I would like to believe that. And I also agree with what you said there at the end. Yachty, if you're two on, two out, bottom of the ninth, you're down by one run. He's one of your few clutch hitters on this team. He he typically comes through in that spot. And so there is there is absolute value in having Yachty or Molina. There's a lot of value in having him on your roster. But I think he is better served, frankly, by hitting lower down in the lineup And I think he is better served by playing less often than he has. I think it will help keep him fresher over the long haul of the season for those games that really matter into September and then into October in the playoffs. And it's difficult because as much as you have those conversations with him in the offseason, he gets into the regular season and he wants to play. And God bless him for it, man. It's part of why we love Yadier Molina because he doesn't want to sit. But that makes it a very difficult conversation of having in the offseason where he may tell you, yeah, I'm good with sitting back and playing 60% of the time. But does that end up being the same thing in the regular season once he gets back? He said, probably, yeah, it's probably the same as it ever. It always has been because that's who Yadier Molina is. He just can't help himself from playing and you love it. But it makes things very difficult when it comes to moving forward and trying to keep him fresh all season long because he's not fresh right now. Yeah. I, I think you can see that. I'm looking at the two areas for next season. If they're going to make a serious run, you need better offense and you need better pitching. Pitching is going to come with health, but it also comes with... That checks out. Is it? That sounds is like that what it is? <laughs> I agree. Is, well, and they also need to win more games. That would make sense too, right? Score more runs, prevent more runs, then win more games. Better defense like every once in a while. Hey, put you. that on a t-shirt. You know what? It's not your job, but... Might be able to have some of it there. But look. By the, the way, somebody on the text line said, who would you have batting above him right now? I would have Harrison Bader and Tommy Edmond both batting above him right now. Yeah, But your pitching's but better. You're right. It's not my job. Your, 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 <laughs> your pitching is better next year, I believe, with Yachty behind the plate for his knowledge of the pitching staff and how to control them and how to um, navigate through tough situations. Your offense can be better if you upgrade at the area that is more of a problem area right now. I think Yachty on this team next year puts you closer to a World Series than a guy on the free agent market. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. This is only the start of what I would imagine is going to be a lot of these conversations over the next oh, six great. months no or Mizzou so. talk then. Dang. <laughs> Coming up next, we'll cross things over with the fast lane. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario.
Isaac Bruce guy. He's set to be a member inducted into a Pro Football Hall of Fame, the 2020 Finally class. Some football talk. With the enshrinement of yes. the 2020 class set to take place this Saturday, Carriker and Smallman are headed to Canton to broadcast live on Friday morning, and it is an expanded show from 7 to 11 a.m. You can tune in to hear Randy and Michelle speak to the man himself with several other special guests, 7 to 11, Friday morning. It's all brought to you in Canton by Schnooks and Twin Peaks. Time to cross things over with the fast lane. We got Jamie Rivers in studio. Jamie, what's up, man? How we doing, guys? Everybody doing well today? Doing all right. How about yourself? I was good. I uh, tune into your show all the time. I'm a little miffed that I don't hear a little more about Mizzou on here. I mean, I expected, uh, you know... Someone who went there and who writes there. I, I, it's a little more curious. Jamie, I come in here every day and I'm on? like, BK, when are we going to talk Mizzou football? Like, they come on, man. Camp this week, we, too. We broke down the bad boys of uh, foot speed. He's doing yeah. pretty good. And did you know the Blues got Lovely a new water average. boy? I, no, I did not know the Blues got a new water we boy. We talked about that earlier today. Okay, cool. Well, hopefully he's as good as the bad boy he is. That's Cardinal. His name was J.A. J.A., yeah. yeah. His mommy calls him Jay though. I'm going to call him Jay. I like that. How are you guys doing? We're fantastic. Yeah. We're fantastic. Good. If you missed uh, any of the show today, we just recapped it for you in about <laughs> two seconds. There More it was. Um, it was an adventurous weekend in the Kylie household. Yes. Don't need to get into the details, but... Uh, oh, no. Spread the deets. Uh, oh, okay. I can't, can't really go into too many details. No. I can just say that uh, it's an adventurous... Being a, being a new homeowner comes with some some stuff. Mm-hmm. That uh, sometimes you're not expecting. <laughs> you can pick the house, but you can't necessarily pick the neighbors. That's, hey, that's a little more. That, that is a great way to put it. Yeah, <laughs> this is why I don't make friends with neighbors. Well, See, you stick I to yourself. Actually, you're just isolating that to neighbors. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of neighbors over the last 24 Does that hours. Mean we're not so? friends, Jamie. Is that what you're saying? To me? <laughs> no, nothing at all, Alex. Great. I knew Sorry, it. BK. What was going on? The great part about neighbors is you meet a lot of them uh, on certain weekends. They're all outside looking around, talking to one another. It's great. It's great. Oh, yeah. And this weekend, I did a lot of talking to neighbors. My favorite part is when neighbors have big get-togethers, and then they have alcohol, and then somebody gets mad at somebody for something else, and it just escalates. Around 7 a.m., maybe? Yeah. And then you just, like, pull up your chair and get the popcorn, and you're like, whoa. Or lock all the doors, depending on which well, way it goes. You know? <laughs> you know, chronologically, it depends how intense it gets, right? So popcorn first, maybe then lock the door, or lock the door, then the popcorn. Either way. Yeah, make a couple of calls, good to go. Yeah. Uh, Jamie, what's coming up today on the fast lane, my man? Well, we're certainly going to break down the uh, the Cardinals uh, weekend, and we're going to talk about the additions of the um, – the grumpy old pen. That's what I'm calling them. The bullpen that uh, everybody's older now. We're going to talk about that. We're going to see how that works out. We're going to see. I think they're starting. Huh? That was the fight back on his teammates fast lane on Friday, but Jamie's just going to stick with it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Jay Happ and John Lester. The yeah. pen? No, never mind. <laughs> it's from a movie, Grumpy Old Men. I, no, I got that. I I was just confused I, about the pen part. The pen part is where do they start? Where do they warm up? <laughs> okay, you know what? I'll, I'm, I'm here for they, it. No, let's no, get into this that's now. That's not how that works. Where do they warm up? That's not how that works. They were shushy, Alex. In, in, in the bullpen. Thank so you. So they come in and they sprint from the bull. Okay, yeah, Thank I get you. it. I'm I'll, done. I'll, I'll sign up for that. That's just BK, Tune in if you want to hear BK about giving in. those guys. Anything else today that we should no, know about? No, now I'm mad. 
Looking forward yeah, to the fast lane with Jason. Members won't speak. Coming up from two We're going to talk about Mizzou football. Alex no, is out won't. tomorrow. I'm out Wednesday through Friday and the following Monday. Damn, I should take a day the Monday off. after, too? You took a whole week off. What are you talking about? You're out the... He's taking off a whole you're month. You're out the Monday after, too? <laughs> yeah, man. Remember, this is the makeup date. I was supposed to be out like a month ago, but then I realized... Oh, Can I'm actually you add Tuesday? Here. All right. It's T-Bone and Company, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Yeah, can you add next week, too? Mark Saxon with Tanner here tomorrow on 101 ESPN. R.A. Dickey. Did you call him Raw Dickey? You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast, powered by I Promise. Peloton's best offer of the season is here. Get up to $300 off accessories when you purchase a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. Choose from a variety of accessories, like our cycling shoes, a heart rate monitor, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. If you've been looking for a sign to join Peloton, this offer gives you everything you need to get going. This limited time offer ends November 28th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer starts November 14th and ends November 28th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. With Black Friday savings at the Home Depot, you'll find top brand kitchen appliances with innovative features that can do more so your holidays can be more. Ovens with built-in air fryers for baking the perfect cookies. Dishwashers with smart tech to clean everything from bakeware to festive mugs and high-capacity refrigerators to keep leftovers fresh. Shop Black Friday savings and get up to 30% off, plus instantly save up to $750 on select GE kitchen packages at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Offer valid November 2nd through November 30th. U.S. only. See store or online for details.